Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Today we have with us uh, uh, Carrington Kinyanjui. I have never called him like that. I will always call him Sike, because <laughs> that's what everybody calls him. <laughs> and I'm sure this is going to shock you. Uh, it's going to shock you for it, though, because I, I, I consider you one of the smartest people I have ever met and had the fortune of... Oh, my God. ...of... Uh, of striking up a friendship with, I think. Thank I think you. we have. I think we the, have. The feeling I, is definitely mutual. <laughs> yeah, I think we have. We have argued ever since we met. More or less, like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's a miracle that we are still talking to each other. It's a testament to. <laughs> people disagreeing and still you know yeah, yeah i'm still you know uh, because that is contrasted with the fact that i still consider you one of my best friends and yeah the other day I was telling, yeah yeah the other day i was telling a, a bunch of guys that one of my friends is an atheist and if it came to it, I think I would more readily die for him than for my fellow Christians. Yeah, I remember Voltaire. I, I disagree with what you say, but I will defend to, to death your right to say it. Yeah. yeah, so, and I think it's been a real fortune to, to, to know you as a, as a friend. And so I take this opportunity at the very beginning of the podcast to thank you for willing to be only the second one <laughs> to come along on this on this. I project. was the second monkey. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. I, so I don't like being the second anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thanks a lot for coming along. Uh, let's see where this goes. I don't know what we're going to talk about, to be honest. Um, but it's been a long time since we talked. I think the last time we talked was a long walk from Chiromo to Haile Selassie Avenue, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I, I don't yeah, know what yeah. I had. I think I'd gone to see my undergrad supervisor, uh, Dr. Laka. Shout out to Dr. Laka if she ever listens to this episode. <laughs> and I bumped into you because at that time, I think, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but you were doing a master's in astrophysics at the University of Nairobi in Chiromo. And yes, yes, I was, I was doing a master's. Yes, and then we talked all the way, must have been, what, a 40-something minute walk. And I think that was the first time when we really appreciated our, our common points of origin in terms of, like, the common premises that we hold um, after the four years on which we had argued, <laughs> and then, uh, and then you disappeared from me because I think that was the time also you are preparing. You are almost finishing with your masters in the University of Nairobi, and then you had to proceed to visit the University of Manchester to do another master's degree. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, so guy, I mean, I'm speaking now to the listeners of the podcast. I mean, this guy has done two masters. I've not even finished with the first one. <laughs> but, you know, I'm still working. I'm still working on my dissertation for the first masters. This guy has finished the second one because you went to you went to the UK and then you finished the second one and now you're back in, in Kenya. Yeah, I'm um, back in Kenya. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, um, so that's the, the duration in which I've known you. Of course, there's more to your story than 
uh, what the seven, eight years that I've known you now. Um, I don't know if there's anything you want to say about your biography, yeah. like where you've come from, what I, what area, Matthew, I, I, where you stake your flag, more or less. <laughs> I am not. I am not a big fan of talking about myself. Uh, I. Uh, I, if there's well, something you're, you're, sure I want you're on the podcast now. You're on the podcast now. You're on the podcast now. So you have to talk about yourself. Like this is this is what it's about. <laughs> Did you sorry Matthew? Just a minute. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know the spirit of what you're talking about. But um, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. We, I hope that this is going to be one of those very uh, nearly violent discussions. <laughs> we have. I, I'm looking. I, I have come for the war. <laughs> um, we, uh, for, for, for our listeners, Matthew, Matthew is a long-term friend of mine. We've known each other for a long time. Uh, we met, I think there's a, I think the first debate we had was in first year, we were walking to Chiromo and um, I was shocked by his devotion to, to Christianity, Catholic Christianity, as he was with my atheism. So we went on, um, on verbal violence up to Chiromo. <laughs> I, I think there was some sort of interlocutor somewhere there and, and it was totally interesting. Um, yeah, uh, Matthew and I share the same values. Uh, I, won't, I won't call them intellectual values, they're just human values. The, the valuing of debate over physical violence, for example, uh, the valuing of good arguments and we've sort of trained each other to have good arguments. Uh, I remember I remember Matthew telling me not to, because it was, it was typical of me, I would look at someone's argument and just find the weakest link and pour acid on the weakest link and the chain is broken and I don't need to waste my time considering the rest of, 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 of their argument. Uh, Matthew is the first person to to sort of tell me to try and buttress someone's argument before bringing it down. And, and I've used that tactic ever since. And, and it has worked to amazing effect. So thank you, Matt. <laughs> um, that way you try to understand uh, your, your interlocutors, your opponents' views, which is, much, which is a much more fruitful thing to do than to just paper over arguments. So I like that. So thank you for having me, Matthew. Uh, I know we'll talk about diverse topics. We'll we can oh, enter oh, politics. Oh, oh, oh. You know what? I think I think yeah. I think let's just pause right here. Uh, let's just pause right here and let's kick anchor out of this conversation. Let's record this thing on Zoom because. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's not working for me. <laughs> at least. It's also not I working for me. The they, they, they of your... so let's just yeah. Yeah, Goodbye, Anka. It was nice meeting uh, you. It was nice meeting you, Anka. Thank you so, thank you so much for your, for your good, for your goodness to us. Uh, we will record this thing with Zoom, and then uh, now that Carrington, you know, CK, CK has been, uh, CK has been liberated by Uhuru Jaden Kenyatta. 
Uh, now he can <laughs> <laughs> he can come to Kisumu. Maybe by the time you come to Kisumu for the uh, just raise the volume of your speaker if you want because yeah yeah now yeah can you hear me now? Yeah yeah. So I was going to. Uh, there's still some feedback. I don't know if that's. I think yeah I've, I've I've left I can I can switch off my data I've switched I've switched off my data and my and my and my and my Wi-Fi connection so okay. and the I phone is over there. Okay yeah. wonderful I think I can hear you much better now so uh, okay. I was going to say what um ah I've lost the thread can you imagine <laughs> we were talking. We were talking about uh, our president, and ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kenyatta has given you your freedom back. So maybe the next time, the next time we have a, an episode together, it will be in person. You'll come to Kisumu, you know, um, and I'll, I'll I'll show you all the nice places. <laughs> you can have can you imagine? It's been ten years since I visited Kisumu. Ten to fifteen years. Well, thank, uh, thank the Lord you've even come here. Many of my friends tell me they've never been to Kisumu. <laughs> like, well, we used to live, we used to live in Kakamega. So yeah, I used to come. come, my mother used to take me to Kisumu for the fish. And, ah, and the nice. So nice. so I'm, I'm, I don't know if Kimwa still exists. Does Kimwa still exist? Kimwa, Kimwa, that's a sad story. Kimwa, Kimwa was burnt down in the post-election violence of 2007. Ah, damn it. Yes, yes, uh, it was burnt down. I remember seeing the smoke from my village. My village is 20 kilometers west of here, west of Kisumu, and the smoke was visible. <laughs> or at least, I don't know. The, the, here's a story. There's somebody who studied the traumatic responses of people uh, to, to the, um, what is it called, 9-11. And well, he got anecdotal stories of people experiencing that event as it happened. And I remember one of the stories that he gathered because it was a series of uh, case studies was of a child. Well, at this point when he was gathering the story, these people had grown up. So this lady was living in Long Island. She was a young, I think 11 or 12 year old girl at the time 9-11 happened. And she remembers seeing this the smoke rise from 9-11, and yet she was living in Long Island. Now, if you know the geography of New York State, Long Island is more than 40 kilometers. Long Island sounds yeah. like 40 kilometers yeah. wide, which means- Yeah, there's a, there's a long bridge between the two, yeah. Uh, well, not even a bridge. I think we are talking of Brooklyn. Long Island is much farther away. So oh, yeah. where it was, was more than 40 kilometers away from the site of the, of the event. Wow. Now, as you know, the horizon is 40 kilometers away, assuming that things mm. are perfectly flat. So there was no yeah, way yeah. I've seen smoke rising from 9-11, from the World Trade Center. And yet she reports seeing dark smoke <laughs> rising from the event. So there's a way people associate significant events with the moments of their lives um, psychologically, because you have to have an anchor for the event. So I don't know if I could see the smoke of Kimwa rising, although my place is 22 <laughs> kilometers away, but I was a young person at the time. I was very young when, when post-election violence happened. I think that's the year, if, if you're the same age as myself, that's the year we did KCPE. We yes, very, yes, I remember that vividly. Yeah, yeah. We, were, we were kids, we didn't know what was happening. This had us fucked up the country, you know? 
they were fighting each other, they were killing each other all over the place. And they burnt down Kimwa, you know, um, they burnt down Kimwa. I remember Kimwa passionately because also there's an aunt of mine who died when I was in class seven. No, 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 no. I was still living in another small town. I think this was class five. Uh, who used to have a tail, a small tailor, tailoring shop near Kimwa, and we would go visit her. She was cousins with my dad. We'd go visit her whenever we'd be going to the village, my dad and myself. And almost without fail, she'd buy me uji with chapos. Uji in a calabash, you know, <laughs> like a half. half. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect for body. Yes, I would yeah. remember her with that, you know, and then she died and I remember her funeral because I had sprained uh, my wrist, this right hand wrist of mine, and I was at the funeral and we met some Zay there who massaged my wrist because it was a traditional healer. But anyway, yeah, so Kimo, Kimo was, yeah. <laughs> was burnt down, unfortunately, so it's no longer there. I can't even remember where it was. Maybe I should go check out the place. Yeah. But remember, I remember, I remember the place because it, it used to have a grass touch truth, a huge grass touch. Yes, truth. perfect. Yeah. And and it was wooden, and yeah. and I remember seeing two floors. So there were two floors, and you'd go upstairs for the band, and and it was wonderful. It was yeah. I, maybe maybe it is the child in me. I remember, <laughs> I remember the magic. I, yeah, I remember yeah, the magic yeah. of the lake. Yeah, anyway, so, uh, unfortunately, yeah. so it, it says a lot. It says a lot about. The nature of politics in Africa, and yeah. I have been thinking about this for for a while. Um, yeah. Uh, my suspicion is that our our states are unstable because our tribes are older than our states, and our states have not had long enough for the institutional memory of of tribes to disappear. Mm -hmm. And tribes informed our culture, informed our economics, and therefore informed our politics. Mm -hmm. And maybe I, I, I will hash this out with you, but maybe as a solution, uh, I would support the Pan-Africanist dissolution of states because mm -hmm. I don't believe in the, in, in the viability of African states, but I would then institute and accept our tribal political structures as real things and, and things that we can use um, as a sort of council of elders. So every tribe, there are many, there are 2,000. Every language, every tribe uh, can then contribute some sort of elder or a group of elders uh, to the African Union uh, building. And then those would be our representatives, continental mm. representatives. Yeah, but Africa, uh, Africa as a whole is also not a cogent unit, really. I mean, um, we have to really work hard to justify in the inclusion of the North Africans in, in, in the definition of Africa, you know, because their, their culture and their history is very distinct from the rest of the continent. And of course, I would agree. I would agree. There's, there's, so I would, some, I, yeah, you yeah, there's would, some therefore, that unite us. But there's a lot that unites those people to Europe, for example, and also to the Middle East. Middle East, yeah. Yes. yeah. Culturally, they're culturally more alive. Yeah, culturally and historically. So, and, and you can see the tension even within themselves. I don't think they've figured out how exactly to, to rush, I mean, to, to reconcile their 
Africanness with their Arabness. Yes, the Arabness and Europeanness. Um, mm. Yeah, so the Sahara, the Sahara is a real dividing line. And of course, they're on the African landmass. You know, as geologists, we, we, we yeah, we, we, we look at, we look at the, the, the universe, or rather the, the earth, as a broken up, uh, like a, 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 a globe with a, with a scratched or cracked surface. You know, the tectonic plates. Yeah, yeah. The tectonics, and and one of the places is the African plate, which incidentally includes um, most of what is Israel, uh, not Anatolia. Anatolia is the European, the Asian portion of of uh, of Turkey, but big portions of what is now Italy and the Iberian Peninsula are still on the African plate. Yeah, those 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 parts on the African continent, and. They are part of Europe, yes, because the Mediterranean is a natural dividing line. But the, the North Africans, yes, they're on the African plate. But I mean, these people are part of an ancient civilization, you know, because they're, 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 they, they, they partake both of the ancient Egyptian and the ancient Mesopotamian, but also of the Judeo-Christian. You know, like the, the Islamic civilization if you discount the pathologization, I mean the, 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 the pathology of of post medieval like after the medieval period of Islam is very, very, very Judeo-Christian. Because the the, the, the the reversion to to militant Islamism that came with with the rejection of classical antiquity, um, because it's it's the East Muslims who rediscovered the classics. The ones who rediscovered, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, discovered Aristotle, the, the, the Iraqi scientists, yes, algebra, yes. algorithms. Yes, they invented, yeah. a, I mean, they advanced science significantly. I think without them, the Europeans would, have, would not have gotten where they got so fast. But then, for some reason, they gave up on that and they decided to revert to fundamentalist Islamism, and that that has stunted their their intellectual development, in my opinion, ever since, because. You have to be able to distinguish the various levels of analysis. The religious is not the same as, as the scientific, even though there, there might be congruences between the two. Um, they are answering questions at different levels of analysis. And I think this is something on which perhaps we've argued a lot, you know, uh, how to. Uh, I, what happened there? I think I lost you. I lost you. I lost you a bit. Yeah. yeah, it seems I dropped out or something like that. But I was, I was yeah. yeah, I was talking of the various levels of analysis, and I hope I've not closed the recording of that period. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I know what I'll do. I know what I'll do. Just uh, give me a moment. I'll use the recording up on my phone. Yeah, and then yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was telling my first guest that these moments of awkwardness, you know, when Zoom fails or, or <laughs> see, that's why I, I, I preferred I preferred physical physical, but yes, we, yes, we yes, have I, to use what we have, and that's yeah, why yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we've started the bloody podcast during a, a pandemic, so <laughs> <laughs> very wise of you, Matthew. Very yeah, wise of another you. time, but <laughs> this happened. So I was telling this guy that these moments of awkwardness, I will not cut out. I'm not cutting them out of the final product. Yeah, right? yeah, they're, they're, they're yeah, See, just accept. They're part of our discussion. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, 
I, I wanted I wanted to add also that um definitely uh these groups in 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 the Sahara have have had some some African influence. Yes. Um remember the Baba and Tuareg communities, they 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 they're called the Amazigh, who yes. have then the, the, the layer, the layer of of Arabs. Uh, who migrated into the region, and then yeah. the layer of Africans, and then you have the, the Bantus. Sahel, the I think the word, you're, the word you're looking you for the is Nilons the Sahel. And the, and the Kushites, yeah? Yes. The word you're looking for is the Sahel, the Sahel region. The Sahel, yeah, yes. yeah, the Sahel. So yes. Chad, Mali, ETC. Yes, uh, Mauritania. These influences, and, and it is normally a very interesting exercise for me. Uh, I normally look like looking at the charts uh, the chat, the YouTube chats of of African music, and then yes. you hear somebody say, "I'm from Morocco," and something about this song makes me feel good. Uh, yes. Some East African, some South African song, uh, some Congolese rumba music, uh, yes. uh, as as you're well aware, is is almost universally loved in Africa. I think I think Congo, I, I think, I think Congolese yes. lingala was the golden age of African music. If if yeah. if I yeah. was to be asked, yeah. I think everything and everything leads up to that point and then falls from that point. <laughs> I will disagree with that. Uh, I, I am a big fan of South African music, yeah. and and as is clearly evidenced by the numbers and that the global appeal of South African music. No, I look, I, 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 I listen quite a lot to South African music. Yeah, quite a lot. I mean, uh, of course, there's the big name bands, you know, Mafikizolo et al. Mafikizolo, yeah, we have, we have the Lady Smith, Black Mabazo, yeah. 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 You know what, even with all that, I think if you bring in Franco, Luambo, Luanzo, Makiadi, <laughs> you know? This, this little argument. Fiatis is a more recent name. I mean, the man the man was able to Mose, sell Fan, Fan, and, 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 like and I mean, those guys, were on an, that's, those guys were in another league altogether from all the African music that I've seen. I mean, even, even the pop versions of African music, so... Speaking of the local guys, so Genge, for example, which which I think would have gone really far if if the guys had been serious, like Joakali and Isa and, and their friends. I don't think anybody parallels the levels of achievement and dedication and creative expression of the Congolese. I think there's only one. I think there's only one person who managed to get out, like. And achieve more or less the same levels of 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 uh, I don't know if erudition is the word, right word to use. But this fella who sang what is now called the national anthem of Africa, "Sweet Mama, Sweet Mother, I never forget you." What's the name of that guy? Remind me. Was that a Nigerian? It was yes, a West African yes, song. Yes, yes, it was, it was a Nigerian, Nigerian guy from, wow. from what would what would become Biafra, and then would get reincorporated back in Nigeria. Back into Nigeria. Yes, I forget his name, but um, he was exiled into Cameroon, uh, and then he sojourned south into the DRC and interacted with, you know, this is, this is a part of the story that is not known. Um, there's an article I read, uh, I think from the half, no, it was not the Huffington, Huffington Post, it was one of these, maybe BuzzFeed News. BuzzFeed News sometimes does some very nice long-form content even though I don't have much regard for the rest of their programs, but this guy, uh, what's his name? Oh boy, um, I'll remember the name. 
I'll remember the name. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. just get it from, from my playlist here. But mm-hmm. yeah, he sojourned south and went and worked quite a bit with the Congolese masters for quite some time. I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, yeah, because, because of the, the, the strife between Nigeria, the rest mm-hmm. of Nigeria, and Biafra. Mm. Biafra was so, so was he was he Igbo was no 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 I don't think I don't I'm not sure if he was Igbo um mm. yes but or he was, was he just a political mother, supporter his, of his, his mother was yeah his mother was Cameroonian no, no his story was quite uh, common like a lot of people had to flee after the Nigerian army retook Biafra I don't know if they call it Biafra or Biafra you know uh, for those who don't know what we're talking about. Uh, Nigeria got independence in what, 61 or 62? And yeah. then, yeah, some years later, I think it was 67, the Igbo section of Nigeria, the southeastern part, uh, which now comprises a number of states, uh, seceded. Yeah. They seceded, they wanted to create their own country, uh, which was named Biafra. Biafra. One of their intellectual engines was a famous the most famous African writer, actually. Chinua Yes, Chinua Biafra. Yeah, yeah, he wrote quite a lot in support of Biafra. And Sweet Mother is called Nikombargas, Prince Nikombarga. Uh, yeah, so his, his mother was Cameroonian. And after Nigeria retook Biafra, there was a bit of uh, tension in the place. You know, like what would happen here, for example, if if Somalia were to invade Kenya and then we defeat them in war, a lot of Somalis who have ties on both sides of the border might want to you know, take off take off to the other side and and, and look for familial uh, comfort, more or less. So this guy took off, and I think he spent a bunch of years, a lot of years in uh, Congo Brazzaville, but especially in Congo Kinshasa, you know, the DRC. Mm-hmm. And this is when the sound that would become... Suku, no, Lingala. Yeah, so that's that's how Suku came about. Yeah, the high-strung guitar, yeah, the yeah, lyrical, yeah. you know, lyrics and lyrical lyrics. <laughs> I get what you're saying, Matthew. <laughs> the fellow African gets what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, all of that was developing, and I think this is the same milieu from which uh, our friend Franco developed. And then this guy, after all this, after his sojourns, went back to Nigeria and started developing this sound. Okay. Um, and Sweet Moda was a crazy hit because, I mean, and, and anybody who wants to know how this, this, this song became, what it became, just has to listen to it. Because yeah. the, the thing is, it's sung in pidgin. The instruments are yeah. very Congolese, actually. Very, yeah, yeah. I, I felt that about it, and then I, I I doubted my ears and said, "Ah, fine, it's just some." It's some in Nazi pidgin. Thing. I mean, it's Nigerian okay. pidgin. For I, I, say, yeah, yeah. So you can say clearly the person singing this is Nigerian, not even Cameroonian. It's Nigerian, but there's with there's Congolese influence. Definitely, yes, there's lots of Congolese influence, and the the way he merges that with the local Nigerian. Uh, uh, styles and creates this song that just blows up all over the continent. 
So whenever Congolese music is being played, which I think happens all over Africa, at least in Kenya, it's, it's the standard bar music, <laughs> you know, which is which is the right kind of music, by the way. But, you know, <laughs> you know um, this music, this song belongs. It belongs among the classics of African music, and I think it's the most well-known song of African origin because it, yeah, it's it's. I mean, and, and, and that's saying a lot because the later Congolese masters, especially Franco and his TPOK jazz, did quite a lot. I learned, yeah. I learned the other day that Franco released 1,500 plus songs. That is impressive. Productivity. Yeah, I mean, now more than That's crazy, crazy levels of productivity. Um, and and most of those songs are worthy of listening to even now. So that thing you say of South Africans approaching that same level of sophistication or or, or notoriety, I don't think I don't think I would abide by it. I appreciate them. I think they do quite a good job, especially this these guys who've lasted a long time. But if it came to it, I think if you we were to choose an African genre. Although I don't think we should be put in a corner to do that, nevertheless, because the Europeans don't get put in. Uh, I don't know what's happening. Uh, Zoom, Zoom, doesn't, Zoom doesn't like me. <laughs> uh, are you there? CK, are you there? Hello? Hello. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know. I I don't... I'm losing you. I'm losing you a lot. Yeah, yeah. I keep, I keep so dropping out. I don't know what's happening, man. It's like Zoom doesn't want this thing to happen. <laughs> they, don't, they, they don't. They don't want Africans to have these conversations. Uh... <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. Let's let's just let's just fight it. I think yeah, the best anyway, way is to uh, show that it's not the boss. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little phrase, uh, a mischievous one, which is "Olonde okay, okay, this mito okay." You know, what does, what does <laughs> it's, it a, it's a very rude one. Eh? It's basically uh, when you get pissed off with someone, it's it's, it's you're saying that your ass is not the plate on which I serve my food from. <laughs> so that I was supposed to finish that drive. I was, I, I was on. Um, so I, I, I have always been fascinated with, with this. There seems to be a correlation of violence and instability with beautiful mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. And I was watching, I was watching um, a documentary of the Congolese, of the Congo, the current, the current civil war. You know, Congo has had waves of civil wars. Yes. And and there was there was there was there was a song in the in the in the in the in the documentary, a, a, a rumba song, a lingala song actually, mm-hmm. and it was so beautiful. It was extremely beautiful, and it's talking about Makambo, Mashida problems, mm-hmm. and. It, I've always felt like 
that pain and and similarly for south african freedom songs they're the ones i i adore most um mm-hmm. i don't know why um it it feels and and the negro spirituals uh, of, yes. the, of, of the slaves uh-huh. it it feels like pain violence instability sort of feeds itself into music so remember uh, rumba rumba and congolese music is at its height <laughs> when yeah. when Congo is under the throes of Mobutu Seseko and yes. and this feeds into creativity in a very weird manner it's like the more you constrain individuals in other aspects of their life the yeah. more they have to let out uh, I, I, I don't know it's something totally interesting I, I find I find music from relative so for example um since you're 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 an exposed human being um individual tell me Swiss, can you can you name me one piece of swiss music ah swiss music no those guys even make music those guys seem so serious you know the legs and and business like there's nothing there man like Oh, I apologize so, yeah. to all the Swiss people. Uh, we are not very. Our worried. apologies to Swiss people. We are not, we are not nationalists. We are not supremacists. <laughs> like your songs, because but, but we just don't know your music. <laughs> Please advertise yourselves accordingly. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Or so, make but good music, you know, because good yeah. music is way to our ears, whether we like it or not. <laughs> the United States. So the United States yeah, who has contributed most to the culture of the United yeah, States. The people who are suffering yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The people are suffering there. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't think this is a black and white thing. It's a it's an oppressed oppressor thing. Mm-hmm. Um Bella Ciao. So mm-hmm. so the, the, the famous uh the famous the famous I don't know if you watch this series in Netflix called um what is it called? Money Heist. So there's there's a there's a catchy there's a catchy tune in Money Heist. Uh, sung by Italian resistors, uh, n- not Italian. Yes, yes, Italian resistors to fascism. Mm-hmm. So it's something like, if I die, uh, bury me, and a flower will arise from my grave, and the beautiful ladies will see that this is the flower of a liberator. Something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a catchy tune. I'll, I'll I'll send you the link. It's a it's a very catchy tune, and mm-hmm. I, I I feel like there's some correlation between pain and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly for Mozart, Mozart was a yeah, troubled individual yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and the deepest creativity came out of him because of that. I think all creatives are troubled to some extent and this is something that, it's interesting you bring this up because this is something I've, I've struggled with. Eh? I think I've had a reasonably good existence I have not I have not been touched by evil in a fundamental way. I have had a very normal upbringing, uh, if I could put it that way. Maybe there have been some things that were atypical that the ordinary Kenyan kid might not um, have experienced. So, for example, a period of loneliness. I talked about this in the last episode. Um, but more, more or less, my upbringing has been normal, and yet. I classify myself as a reasonably productive, creative person. Okay, and so it's something I'm still battling with because I don't know, I don't know um, 
if I have to, like how much suffering I need to experience for me to unleash the full extent of my creative potential. You know, and so sometimes I find myself looking for suffering, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, because I, I don't know, maybe I'm too coddled and maybe maybe I've not been pressed enough. You know, the kind of press that uh, Franco, for example, had to go through. So for, one of the highest achievements of Franco as a musician was this song, Mobutu Seseseko. Seseko, yeah. <laughs> Which is a crazily, crazily. I mean, the, the song just gets you. It, it catches you by your yeah, it, it captures you, and, and you, and you, and you're, and you're aware. You're aware, and this is what I and find interesting. And the thing goes on for eighteen. You're aware minutes. that you're praising a deadly dictator. Yeah, and, 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 for eighteen <laughs> minutes. For eighteen minutes, and you can't tear yourself away from it. You're praising him. And I get, I can't get that that song to stop when it starts. You can't bloody understand. You can't understand the language. You know, the guy is just. On and on and on and on about how Mobutu is the right candidate. We already have him. The Central Committee has picked him up. We are not getting the other guy for 18 minutes. And you know why he was singing like that? Because he had fallen afoul of Mobutu. Yeah. And he needed to placate him. Yeah. So it was a crazy song. Basically, he was he was asking for clemency in a sense. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> Mobutu, just, Mobutu is an interesting individual. To he was honest. an interesting character, um, that's for sure, yes. I have never seen the devil uh, mixed up with the, with the Lord in, in, with, such, with such coherence, such harmony. <laughs> it, is, it is very strange. Yes. So Mobutu clearly supported the development of Congolese music. And, and yes. that is why we listen to Congolese music, mm -hmm. because it was developed early on when, when our Kenyatas and our, our founding fathers uh, were dancing to, to those, our, 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 our tribal songs. It was only in picture. Yes. Uh, Mobutu was a committed supporter of, of, of Congolese music and a committed advertiser of Congolese music. In his in his in his early years, he was a committed support of Congolese industrialization. The Congolese economy expanded a lot. So mm -hmm. I find him I find him strange that way. He's he's a devil and a god at the same time. And <laughs> and I get why the Congolese were confused by him. I totally yeah, yeah, understand yeah. it. No, even um, even Congolese now are still confused by him, especially the youngsters. Yeah, they, they want him back because he, him back for he is stability. Yeah, yeah. He is yeah, stability. But and, the, youngsters, the youngsters have not lived under Mobutu. They, they don't, don't know what that is. Yeah, they yeah. don't know what it meant to live under that guy. It's, it's, like, it's like us singing for Moi, and there are some youngsters who sing yeah. for Moi. And <laughs> Which is, I think, a very short-sighted thing. I mean, we, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, it's the same with... I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last episode, but maybe I can just mention it again. The, my, my latest article was about the Arab Spring, um, and part of it, while while I was doing the research for that, because I basically I was trying to figure out whether it worked, you know, because the whole movement was a movement for democracy. Democracy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, these guys, these guys wanted to have a say in how their government treated them. They wanted to stake uh, the value of the state on their like on their own sovereignty as as a people. 
And it seems it worked out only in Tunisia, where it began. Mm -hmm. Like the rest of the Arab countries in Africa, I was focusing only on the African Arab countries because the rest, the rest are not in Africa. The other people can write about them. <laughs> Perhaps I'm not. <laughs> you only care about our people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in the rest of the African African Arab countries, um, the, the 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 thing was co-opted. It was hijacked. Either by Islamists fundamentalists, you know, the Muslim Brotherhood, the, um, there's this other group, which was active in Tunisia, actually, um, or by the military. So the military yeah. allied itself with the civilian effort, which I, it's, it's something that needs to be figured out, because I think even the American Revolution of 1776, I think, when they declared independence, was a military thing, but then the military, the moment the independence was secure, the military decoupled itself from civilian affairs and left the governance of civilian matters to a civilian government. I, I think that can be ascribed a lot to, to Washington. So, you know, Washington was, was their general. Yes. And, and the fact that he was able to, and, and I respect him for this. Uh, yes. Uh, the fact that he was able to remove himself from military activity yes. and and concentrate on government yes. for a very short period of time and then leave office, yes. uh, set up the United States for, Here's for relatively, a relatively interesting. Yeah, person. something interesting about Washington I think, I think, yeah. is, is that he, his, his, his troops almost crowned him king. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is something that people don't know, don't know about the guy, but he was almost crowned king of, of the new independent states of America and he refused. He said, we he can't run from one, one tyrannical monarchy into another one. To another, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 we are not fighting. I, I think, who, who was it that asked the question, uh, do we have a monarchy or do we have a republic? And then uh, somebody, I can, somebody I answered. I, I can't remember. I can't remember yeah, this. But it must have been one of those revolutions. I can have Jefferson. We have a republic if yes. we preserve it. Yes. We so have a republic if we preserve it. And and this feeds into our 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 constitutional change movements in Kenya. Yeah. I am a bit worried that uh while we are running this road, uh, yeah. we might we might plunge ourselves into the same troubles that we we have just come out of. 2002 is not a long time ago. Um we have a republic if we choose to preserve it. Um, mm -hmm. I think I think there's something to be said there. Uh, changing constitutions is 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 a weird thing because you're messing with social contracts. Now you can manipulate the public to mess with social contracts, and that's okay. But the moment you start playing around with these social contracts, contracts, you get into a very quick difficulties quickly, especially mm -hmm. for young states. So mm -hmm. yes, while the the United States experimented with this, they modified their social contracts. We have all these long list of amendments. Yes. You know, the first amendment, second amendment, third amendment. At some point, uh, there is a difficulty introduced, and the and the and the United States get into a civil war. Yes. So although justifiably, entirely yes, justifiably. Yes, 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 and and, and that's, that's actually a testament to the virtue of the people. People don't realize this, but. The United States is the only country that fought a civil war over the matter of slavery. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that that in itself 
is testament to the virtue of that country. I am like, I am like, actually not a big fan of of recent intellectual movements in the, yes. in, the in the in the West yes. that America is a racist country. This it, it's not. I mean, these kinds of dramatic statements I'm not a big fan of. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> are racist, all of the arguments okay. against America's current state are basically America failing to live up to its ideals. It's not that America has articulated the wrong ideals. It has articulated the right yes. ideals. And every yes. now and then, because of, the fa- because of the weaknesses of the people that run the system, sometimes it fails to live up to those ideals. But if you look at what, what Obama would call the long arc of history, you know, which is... Yeah, it, Obama it, likes... But bends <laughs> towards justice. Justice, know? yeah. Yes. And, and I think that is happening for the United States. Reckoning, I mean, yeah. if you don't count the United Kingdom, of course. Uh, there's this movie, uh, I think... We about William Wilberforce. I think it's called Amazing Grace. Um, mm. Be careful because there's another one about Aretha Franklin called the same. Aretha Franklin. Mm. She sang a song called Amazing Grace. And Amazing were, Grace, yeah. Yeah. But the, the movie, I think it's from 2009 or 2010. I could be wrong on the dates. About William Wilberforce and his campaign against slavery. slavery. Because, because in the UK, the abolition of, slave, of the slave trade came through legislative uh, avenues, you know, uh, which is like what has happened with a lot of major things in the UK. I think that's something they yeah. got right, you know, the, 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 the supremacy of the people through the parliament to enact laws and to change things by themselves. In the U- US, it required revolutions, a few revolutions, but that's because they were, it's like they were skipping multiple steps and getting to a point where things are at a boil. We need to let off this team and get on with it. <laughs> I, 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 let me interject you a bit. I just think I think it's a, it's more an issue of geography. Yes. So the United Kingdom is a relatively small, uniform country. Yes. Although although there were various debates because there were people who were benefiting from slavery, etc. Et yes, yes, the, yes. The, the, the smallness of the United Kingdom allows it to be a bit more stable, just a bit yes, more stable. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the United States is is almost an entire continent. So yes, you, yes, yes, and 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 this means that the economy of of New York and the economy of Texas are just and the cultural and and social context of these two uh, cities might be so radically different that these are practically two different people. <laughs> something something, something in interesting for countries. Kenyans on this actually is that Texas is bigger than Kenya. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and see, this, this is the thing though, Matthew, and, and it, it, to me, it, it feeds into the idea of Pan-Africanism. Yes. Kenya is a fundamentally futile state. So what is your ambition? We agree on that. You want to be an economy? Yeah? yeah I, I agree with you on that. And, and this is a conversation yeah. I was actually having with a bunch of friends today. That and, and of course my, my points of departure are slightly different, but I think the, 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 this is what would be in evolutionary terms called convergent evolution. <laughs> Over ideas. Yeah, yeah different, <laughs> different, different premises, but we arrive at the same conclusion. I think <laughs> multiple levels of analysis, the whole idea of, especially in our region, our countries, our countries have no theoretical foundations properly. You know? um, yeah. And there are no fundamental principles. Yeah, yeah. And socially, the way they are set up, they have no place in the world, really. They have no place in the yeah. world. I mean, I, I think the way forward, 
and perhaps we can talk about this, the way forward is either we break them down into smaller states with ethnic foundations or reunite them into bigger countries. So the whole- I think, I, I suspect, and, and this is why I was, I was talking to you about this earlier. I suspect mm -hmm. that those two solutions are the same. Yes. So you can break them down into smaller, you can call them counties or whatever, you, smaller, <laughs> ethnically like based states. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then you have an overarching, whatever, uh, you have Confed an overarching council. agreement, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. A federative, yeah, exactly. Yeah. How we, sh we can have one military so that we don't end up common, common, common standards, you know, we use the, key, we use the metric system, we use yeah, the same yeah. systems of measurements, driving on the yeah. same side of the road, for example, so that there's movements of commerce, highway standards. Swahili, you know, we, can, yes. we, can, we can do all these things. We can choose how to share resources because some parts of Africa, let's be honest, are not as blessed as other parts of Africa. So yes. we can also talk about resource sharing, which I think we, in a calm setting, yes. <laughs> uh, Africans might be able to, 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 because we sort of identify with each other's suffering. We yes. identify with the suffering of Congolese people. We, the Congolese identify with us. And, and I think it, it can be possible and, and there's enough to go around anyway. Yeah. Uh, I was reading, I, I know you're familiar with the idea that if, if a hydroelectric power plant was set up in the Congo River at various points, it will, yes. it will generate enough electricity to power sub-Saharan Africa. So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I've actually it's enough to this. go around actually. I've actually so, written about this. There's there's the Grand yeah. Inga project. The which, Grand Inga, Inga yes, yeah. we has the potential to uh like it's it's in, I mean you can put a dam or a series of dams there with an installed capacity of 40,000 megawatts. Yeah. Now, 40,000 megawatts is huge. I mean, Kenya, the installed capacity of Kenya is less than 3,000 megawatts. 3,000, yeah. <laughs> and, and we are one of the most industrialized yes, I think, countries in Africa. Yeah, we've reached, I think, 70% electricity. Yeah. I think it's 75, yeah. Which is one of the highest in Kenya. And the 20%, up to that 70%, so from 50-something percent to 70%, has been done in the last two years. Wow. I think props to the World Bank on this because it was funded by the World Bank. The but World Kenya, Bank Kenya and Power has done a lot in the last two years. Crazy, mm. crazy amount. That's, that's, that's much. And, and I like that. I like, yeah. I like giving credit. I'm not, I'm, not those, I'm not one of those cynical Kenyans who's, who says that the state is not working at all. This, yeah. this is a lie. Go to Congo and, and see dysfunctional states. Where states are not working. Somalia and see what a dysfunctional yeah. state means. Yes. So, and, 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 and much to, much, much, much credit to the Jubilee government, I think. They mm. had an ideology of rural electrification, which, which seems Was this really there? You know, why would you honest. Electricity in a heart. You know, there were these questions people were asking, yeah. and and they've turned out to be silly questions. Yeah, um, the the heart people need the electricity as much as the stone. Yeah, people I mean, and, you yeah. need as electricity in your heart because your kids need yeah. to study at night. Because your kids, your kids then study, then they, they become more productive. They, you need they, to charge they your get phone. higher grades. You need to charge and it's, your phone and it's so all... that you can make phone calls when if you have an emergency. I mean, it makes a huge difference. It, the states and, and people are surprised that public is... schools are performing. People yes. are surprised that public. Why are you surprised that public put put people in the same level? Uh, yes. 
I mean, the the buildings, the, the buildings can be sorted out at a more local level. I mean, if if it's a question of housing, I can be, I can build another house. I don't need the state to help me build another house. But yeah, the electricity, yeah. the only way it gets to my house is if I use solar. State which requires yeah. a lot of initial investment, which a lot of people yeah. don't have access to, or the state brings it. Yeah. Through it's uh, it's because the amount of investment that's needed to bring electricity from the grid to a household is it's not small. It's not. It's not. Yeah, and it's and consider that yeah. consider that there was no historical there was no historical prioritization of rural electrification in the country. Yes, so yes, everybody yes, was wondering. Everybody was worried about the urban centers because. This was the philosophy that urban centers are more economically productive. So before we go rural, uh, yeah. let's let's work on. I, I think actually now outside of outside of South Africa yeah. and the northern African Egypt. countries, yeah. 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 we have the highest amount of uh, access to the grid. Uh, yeah, that, that is true. That is true. I, I think I have that map. I'll, I'll send it over to you. I think we are fourth or fifth. So you know we what? Are, we are I actually, really I actually co-wrote, I co-authored an article, a book chapter with my boss on this topic, actually, two years mm -hmm. ago. So, yeah, because we are, we are contributing to a book. I forget the title of the book. Um, my name is not there, of course, because <laughs> I'm not a PhD. <laughs> so so I, was, I, was, I was his research assistant on the matter. Uh, I, was, I was impressed because at that time, at that time, when they were writing this thing, it was 56%. By the time wow. the book being published, we were closing down on 70%. And people don't realize this because it's in this, that same period that my village was connected to the grid. Oh. Yeah. Um, so the parts of Kenya that have not been connected. And now you go to Mashinani, you know, like you drive on, on Maram roads deep into the village and you find electric poles all over the place in people's farms. They're, yeah, yeah. they're deep, they're deep. And you wonder, I mean, what took them so long? But uh, the other thing is, thank God they arrived, you know, finally. <laughs> <laughs> thank God they've arrived because now the only thing, the only cost needed is what the connection fee. And then these guys might pay. Of course, there's, there's counter arguments, there's economic arguments to be made perhaps against it, but this is a public good. I think. There, 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 I, I think I think the social arguments for it outweigh yes. the economic arguments economic, against yeah, it. Because, because and there are some economic market, arguments yeah, for the rural, market the rural electrification yeah, anyway. Rural market and consider be, that yeah. and consider that this there is this thing that if you build it, they will come. So this will drive the development of small urban areas in this rural, in this rural, in this rural, in this rural areas. I, 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 I am totally for the building of roads. Yes. I, I, I don't, I don't get this argument that this in and and uh, much credit to David D is a much more uh, established intellectual than than I ever will be fine but <laughs> I don't get this argument that these are white elephant projects remember Kenya's population is still expanding yes. uh, remember we we built thicker road and it looked like a white elephant right now there are serious traffic jams in thicker road yeah yes, so yes. some I Let's just keep building, and because these are these are not fruits. This is the, not the, fish, the, not the foundational fruits. infrastructure. Yes, the foundational mm -hmm. infrastructure. And then you leave the rest. Let's just the, keep building. The I, I am, I am yes. 
let's keep building on that specific issue i am with i am with jaden i am totally with jaden <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> and, and here I, I disagree with him yeah here's something marginal to 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 the story of kenya power putting all these electric poles all over the place you know that serves as foundational infrastructure not just for electricity access but for you know uh, isps internet service providers and now they want internet to service providers yeah when they, when, when they want to provide when they Hospitals. want to provide yeah when they want to provide internet to the villages mm. they don't have to lay cables underground or anything like that there's poles yeah. already you know going to every just, single yeah. all you have to do is tie them midway up you know the tv guys you know all this so it's it is an investment that compounds and even though you cannot attach monetary value although i think there's economists who figured out a way to do this so the guys at the copenhagen consensus center the one that is run by this fella bjorn lomborg have figured out a way to attach monetary value to things that ordinarily cannot be priced you know the things like externalities and also uh, lifetime benefits of 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 investments because you might say yes this is a waste of a waste of money why are we connecting villagers and yet these guys they'll pay 200 shillings for electricity every month i mean there's no way there's absolutely no way the villages are going to pay for that infrastructure maybe in 50 years perhaps but the thing compounds and then it's a knock on effects on the economy later on and yeah, yeah. Massive, a massive because a kid who might not have been able to study or might have contracted illnesses because of studying under the wrong kind of light all of a sudden has access to two three more hours of study every night you know and, and that and is therefore more productive more productive and then goes to the public school yes in the Does the kcp exam yeah uh, passes and then you're surprised that he is passing yeah yeah he he he, he, he or she failed because yes. he was not You, they were not in the same conditions that they are the urban friends the urban yeah. private friends yeah. were working in and and it's 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 not a miracle it's not a miracle that they they're doing well I, i am i and and on that specific issue the yeah. fact that all kenyans i think this is a promise of classical liberalism and capitalism that yeah. these systems are yet to deliver that all must you you put people in the same level playing field and then whoever wants to thrive or succeed thrives yes, or succeed yes, yes, yes. but the, you 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 first must provide the level playing let field. let and people not fail is, for lack of opportunity let them fail yes, for lack yes. of effort yes let yeah. let there be such a system that people yes. fail only because of lack of effort yes, uh, yes we have not yet built that system not in kenya not in the united kingdom and not in the united states and i don't we think have i such don't, a I don't think we'll ever build it perfectly perhaps will the, the the standard is on how much we approximate it like i think we will be judged by how much we we progress towards it rather than whether we achieve it or not i don't think it's possible to achieve it because uh, what is so difficult man look the, the, housing healthcare education access to, uh, uh, housing healthcare education yeah housing healthcare education now make sure uh, the, the, what is what is basic. difficult the difficulty the difficulty is the political process by which that is achieved because you see you also have to factor in democracy you know 
Yeah, to factor in the fact that people, okay. yeah, people are going to. My worry is this. The my worry. This is yes. my worry. This is usually my disagreement with people on the right. Yes. Um, center right and extreme right. Yes. You are saying that the United States is a land of opportunity. Yes. Now give this homeless woman, mother of two, the opportunity to get out of her current state. Yes. If you cannot give that woman that opportunity, then you lose the argument that you are a land of opportunity and that everyone must hustle their way out of darkness. Yeah. And and this is this is why some form of socialism is appealing to me not not total state communism yeah, i'm not yeah, a big fan yeah, yeah, of that yeah. uh, but but some form of socialism is appealing to me i think there ought to be a sophisticated housing system a sophisticated yes. health system and a sophisticated education system that can assure the children of the poor uh, decent housing decent access to health services and decent education so that when someone wants to pull themselves out of that they they have the bootstraps of the state, yeah. and I think this is this will going into um, the future. This will be a primary yes, yes. function of, uh -huh. of modern states. So your job is to level the playing field, and this helps capitalism. So yes. there are clever people who don't have access, and these clever people might innovate and help spur economic growth in these capitalist countries. Now, if you and, don't, and by, them, by the way, on, on, on this, on this, I think. On this, I think we agree because yeah, yeah. On this, I think we agree. But you see, then you you introduce two levels of analysis. There's the idea of providing equal opportunity to everyone, where the politics gets involved. Of course, it's there. But once we agree on that, is what does equal opportunity mean? This is where I'm saying, like, you'll always run into the vagaries of democracy because equal opportunity means different things to different people. So I, I think like, I the, think like the level of involvement that the state should should uh, make no, 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 yeah, in yeah, defining yeah. that, for example, because you see, you cannot also discount the role of civil society, because civil society also is participating in the process of providing this opportunity. But for example, but, but, I, I I I tend to decide, although this is I'm still developing this thought. Mm -hmm. But, for example, the role of the state in education, the role of the state in healthcare, the role of the state in, especially those two things, it's not clear to me how much the state should be involved because, especially if it's a big state, you know, a state encompassing a huge geographic and ethnic territory, it's not clear whether the state can really define what every single kid should study. Maybe it can define the bare minimums and then leave the rest to, to lower levels. There's, there's this principle that comes from Catholic social thought, although I think it's developed from scholastic philosophers and theologians, of subsidiarity. And I think it's one that makes sense to everyone who understands what it is. Subsidiarity basically is that decisions um, or actions should be taken at the lowest level possible. So if parents should decide where their kids go to school, the state should not decide for parents where their kids go to school. Mm. The state should not tell parents how many kids they should have. I think this was a failure in China, for example, because it's not the state's role. The state can, yes, the state can decide whether parents will have two or three kids, and it, can, it has the power to enforce it, okay, because the state has monopoly of force. But that decision is being made at the wrong level. Okay? In principle, yeah. yeah. It's the wrong level. The state is not the parent. The state should make decisions 
on what constitutes an invasion, for example. Okay, so, and I'm not very clear, I'm still figuring this out. I don't think I'll be able to even hash it out properly within the context of this conversation, but I don't know. I don't know whether the state should really be involved. Maybe, maybe at the beginning, you know, where the state is established, maybe the state should be involved a lot in defining these things, but then maybe there should be a mechanism for the state to pair back its, its involvement in all of these things, things like healthcare, because I mean, even healthcare is not straightforward whether the state at the highest level should participate because there's a reason why the WHO, for example, is involved mostly in epidemiology, public health, because the other things are very local. So healthcare, for example, in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, where there's Ebola outbreaks all, over, all the time, is different from here. If you look at, there's this, main referral hospital in this region, um, well, not the main one in this region, but one of the main ones in this region called Tenwek. Okay, Tenwek, Tenwek Hospital, referral hospital is in Bomet County. Tenwek has the best specialists in esophageal cancer. And I hope people can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the, like, the standard of care in esophageal cancer in Kenya is in Tenwek Hospital. Do you know why? For some reason, most of the esophageal cancer patients are in this region. They are in Nyanza, they are in uh, South Rift and the North Rift and in Western, mostly. And people don't know why, you know. But if, if the national government was done making decisions on the standard of care for cancer, it would make the wrong decisions because it has access to data from all over the country, like it, it has aggregates. So the kind of prevalent, I mean, cancer that is prevalent in this side of the country is not the same as what people in, maybe, maybe people in Northeastern Kenya experience other types of cancer more. And so they need to focus on other things. So if, if, if you cascade the decision-making on these major things to the lowest level possible, then it's easier to respond to local conditions. Allow me to monopolize <laughs> the conversation a little more with another example of our good friend, the governor of uh, West Pokot, Lonyangapuo, uh, who I think two years ago, two and a half years ago, entered, I mean, started a disagreement with the Minister of the Cabinet Secretary for Education, uh, Mr. Magoha. Professor Magoha, forgive me, Prof, if you listen to this. <laughs> wow, and you're recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will not be present when you will be arrested. I will disown you. I will disavow you. Yeah. I will. So so the good professor. I'm not getting into that one. <laughs> who was our VC, by the way? You know, the man was our big man when he we went. Yeah. Um, Your degree will be revoked. Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least by the time my degree was being awarded, it was basic. Yeah, so he has no powers of that. <laughs> but um, he had made some decisions as academic secretary of education to close schools that did not adhere to certain safety standards. And these safety standards are not like security, but rather building code violations, more or less. Like this, and many of these schools were in West Pokot. So these guys were studying under rocks, you know, the, the, the buildings were crumbling and all that. Under trees, sorry, not under rocks. But, and then Lonyangapu said, hey, dude, you can just make decisions like that. Yes. Uh, elementary education, primary school and secondary school education are not under the county government, but you have to take care of local conditions. We've been fighting to get these kids to school in the first place. You know, 
we, we, we have, and, and he really articulated this argument better than I can rehash it here, but more or less the argument was this, that the county has suffered a lot from the banditry and you know all this stuff that they've suffered from before that kept kids away from school. So there's no schools in the first place. And through community efforts and the kind of efforts of the county government, they've gotten enough kids to start going to school, even though the school system is run by the national government. So they've gotten them to the schools. Okay, kids have some place to go to every day and they're not interrupted by banditry and violence. Now the national government has these standards of what a school building is supposed to look like and supposed to contain. And our schools, because we've just gotten the schools, the kids start going to schools, we've not even gotten around to building the infrastructure out. These schools don't conform to those standards. Now, what is the right response? Is it that the national government comes and squashes us and closes these schools down, and then these kids go back into the villages where they pick up their guns and go on fighting and bring back the same instability? That I think, I, I, I think in this specific case. Yeah. So he, I think in this specific case, the, 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 the social contract. Get the hell out. We are keeping the kids in schools and we are keeping the schools open because this decision should not be made there. I mean, your standards are the standards. But the, but the state has already failed here. The yes. state has already failed here. So yeah. one of the functions of the state and, and Hobbes and, and everybody writes on this, one of the first functions of the state is security to protect people from themselves essentially uh, to protect people from anarchy internally yes. and externally so I that's the that's first function role of the state all the others ancillary to that in my opinion yeah oh, we, we, we will <laughs> fight about that later i'm not going to let you just <laughs> but but we'll fight about that later but i agree the the, the fundamental the fundamental function of the state is security yes now once the state has lost this social contract has violated this specific aspect of the social contract it then loses arguments about education and the healthcare and all these things yes. and that's why i think the government was very careful with its handling of of al-shabaab and uh, terrorism in this region yes. they yeah. were very very extreme with this handling because specifically because of this once the state once it, it gets into people's minds that the state has failed on security especially in africa the state loses viability immediately yeah and and yeah. And, and and therefore in for that specific reason i agree with professor lonyangapuo you have lost the argument in security. Why are you coming to tell me how a school should look like? First, yeah. figure out security and then start lecturing me. Yeah. And, and while you're lecturing me, underwrite, underwrite the construction of these schools that these very good ivory tower schools that you want in Western yes. Court. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, let's go back to theory. Let's go back to theory. Mm -hmm. in, my, in, my, in, my, in, in my envisaging of the situation, I think that the state is an underwriter. It's not, it's not a policy provider. You, you, and, and this is why I like devolution. Problems are very county specific and let counties handle their problems their way, but yes. underwrite it. Make yeah. sure there is that building for that doctor of, of cancer to, 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 to have an office in, make sure there are x-ray machines, make sure there are PET scans, make sure there is the availability. And that's the job of the state now. 
to underwrite these services, not necessarily to, to, to tell people what to do, but to yes. underwrite what yes. do you need in healthcare, what mm -hmm. do you need in, in, um, in education, what do you need in housing. For example, you're not going to tell that, uh, that Maasai Hada who keeps moving around with this million shilling worth of of cattle that you want to build them a nice flat they don't care they just don't care they don't care about that flat and and yeah. there was a story like that some international development organization people people got when they saw the manyatas they saw poverty and uh, they, they were so sad and they built these semi-permanent houses everywhere and and the masses were aghast what, what are you doing? Yeah. You're wasting your time. And they moved ahead with their cattle. <laughs> and they yeah. left them with their very nice houses there. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a nice story. Yeah. And, and we were talking about this uh, in, the, in the specific case of the Kibera, if I remember. I, I was very interested and I'm still interested in removing those slums because yeah. I think we are able to do it now as a state. Yeah. But you were telling me uh, you will build those very tall houses and then the people will just come and build their small shacks next, next door yes. because you must pay attention to what they want. Yes, from the right level, yes. Yeah. The, the decisions think people who need to make fundamentally, decisions. yeah, yeah, fundamentally, uh, for example, homelessness. We don't have a, as big a problem of homelessness of adults in Kenya as Western countries do, although we have a big problem of street children. And, and this is where the state can come in. Uh, while I respect the efforts of civil societies, they just don't have enough money. And that's the problem. They mm -hmm. just can't raise enough to deal with the problem. Um, the ghettos, the, the ghettos of the Hoovervilles, the Hooverville slums, they couldn't have been ended, uh, they couldn't have been ameliorated, removed using 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 civil societies in the United States in the early 1920s. No, this was not, it had to be a state operation. So yes, the building yes. of the new the new projects, the, the, the projects. So yeah. I, I uh, I, I am, think, I I think am, once a problem gets to a, a scale that overwhelms civil society, then the state, uh, that thing you mentioned of the state being the underwriter, um, it steps mm -hmm. in as the, 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 the underwriter of last resort. You know, it steps in. When I, I, like, I, I like calling it, you know, God of the gaps. So it's yeah. a state of the gaps. Yes. Its job is not to be totally there All every over time. The place. Because otherwise it, it, it but, has but to, a, yeah. to be there when things get very, very sticky. Yeah. It has a tendency to totalize. I mean, if the state is involved all over the place, it, it, it's not obvious when it should draw back. And so it should be constrained as much as possible so that it only steps in when it is absolutely necessary, when nobody else can handle it. Because you'll be yes. shocked how much civil society can do. Um, the, the theoretical framework for the dissertation I'm working on, Applied Philosophy, is a fellow called Jacques Maritain. And Jacques Maritain, we, we perhaps might not get end up talking too much about this over time, but Jacques Maritain, I think, was the first person to properly contend with the idea of the nation state. And its totalizing tendency, you know, uh, the idea of the state just creeping into people's lives further and further, going, I mean, it's just encroaching almost close to getting to their conscience, you know, like the state almost becomes your conscience. In some cases, cases maybe even becomes your conscience, you know, it tries to, fun, uh, to, to supplant 
your conscience as a person, you know, to decide how you think. And uh, he, he, he never, I don't think he got to properly reconcile those two elements that are there in the definition of the nation state. And I think it's also something that we are battling with as an African people, because it's almost, they're almost antithetical, the nation and the state. They, they, they're not supposed to be identified the way the modern dispensation has done. Okay, uh, now I don't understand why exactly I was going here, but he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says that there are certain cases, there are certain places where if the state goes, then it necessarily becomes totalitarian. But then the other thing, the other thing that he brings in is the fundamental role of the body politic. The body politic is basically everything that's between the state and the individual. So basically what we would call civil society. So all the, all the articulated groups, there's some groups that are not articulated, so which basically he calls communities. So communities arise naturally. So a classic example is this, a school community. Eh? So you have a school and then there's pupils or students that go into it. And so the students necessarily make a community together with their parents and their teachers and the children of their teachers, like the whole supporting infrastructure, but that is not articulated. That's the community. Within it and developing around it as well, there might be multiple societies or even one society, perhaps the PTA organization, okay? the board of governors, the uh, a student alumni group, for example, because you see, these ones are now articulated. There's like a constitutional element to them. They are intentional, they are products of the human intellect. It's people sat down and decided that we want to create this. The community arises naturally out of the soil of the people. No? We are put together by a certain set of circumstances. We are comrades, we are together, it's a community. It's what we would call tribes here. The society is extracted out of the community. It might have certain congruent roots, more or less, that have the same roots, but it is articulated. It is, a, it is an act of the human intellect that brings it into being, okay? So we form the PTA, we form the student organization, the drama club, um, the board of governors, all of these things that now have decision-making capabilities. You know, these ones, these ones are more intentional. They can do things. The community does things necessarily as a part of its nature, the society does things because it has been thought that this is the right thing for the society to do. And if you have a healthy body politic, then the intervention of the state becomes very rare. Like the need for the intervention of the state becomes very rare because the body politic takes care of most things. So the sports clubs and the, the members clubs and the alumni groups, they can do so much. I was just saying the other day, the alumni group of my school, well, this is something that has really, gotten gotten me really in the heart, like at the bottom of my heart. I saw this at the beginning, like when once I joined, we have a WhatsApp group for guys from my high school, which we joined, I joined long after it had been created, but I think this was last year, two years ago. And one of us uh, had his, his house, the house he has in his parents' compound was grass-touched, it's in Budalangi. I'll not mention the name of the guy for his privacy sake or anything like that, but, rains had come 
and the thing was leaking and I think the house, the walls were crumbling or something like that. And so this guy, uh, you're muted. In case you want to say something, you're muted. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, proceed, proceed. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this yeah, story. So, so, so this guy reaches out in the group and says, guys, this is what's happening to me. My house is crumbling. It's leaking. I am in trouble. I don't have any money to do anything like that. And you know what happens? <laughs> the group all of a sudden just said, okay, we're going to help this guy out. And so we fundraised. Every person chipped in who could. And in two weeks, the guy had a semi-permanent house, you know, with Mabati and, and not just that, but the group made sure that there was accountability through the entire process. We had receipts for the project. We had, I was amazed. Like, and these are not people who you would say, uh, like they have anything uniting them. I mean, we would have taken off after high school and gone our own separate ways. I don't think there's anything that compelled us to form the group or to help out this guy, but it happened. You know, you see, that's a place where if the state were to be involved, the state would have, would be, have difficulty deciding how exactly to help. But this is a case where civil society, you know, the groups that people form out of their own free will, steps in, you know? And, and basically, civil society is the first safety net. The state is a safety net after all the safety nets have failed, you know? The guy has a house now. He has a nice house in which he lives, and I don't know what, you know, that's one thing that's taken off his mind. He has a place to go to at the end of the day that he can depend on, which means, he can now think of other things. And, 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 and I, think, I think that is something that the state needs to be aware of, that it doesn't, it needs to be at the bottom, you know? Like it's, it's, it's what is there between you and utter devastation. But in between there, there's so much, there's so many layers of society that can take care of you. This is what, this is what uh, religious organizations do. This is what, um, uh, members clubs do. This is what alumni groups do, of course, and all these other all these other elements of civil society. And for a state to properly function, they need to be fostered. They need to be there. Civil society needs to be there because the state cannot. The state doesn't know how to prioritize the needs of different people because there's too many people. There's too many it's balancing people. competing interests. And yes. it's busy, you know, the security. It has so many of them. So it needs to, in a way, offload most of that to civil society and only step in, as you said, uh, where- In a crisis. Yeah, where nobody else can help. You know, when, 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 when the problem is at a level where civil society cannot reach, you know, if it's national or if it's something that so, nobody can, can step in to, to sort out. So Matthew, uh, 300,000 homeless in the UK, 500,000 homeless in the United States, wealthiest states, wealthiest countries in on earth. Uh, we have the largest slum in Africa, although we are not the poorest country in Africa. We are the, I think we are the sixth most productive. So GDP measures productivity, not wealth. We are the yeah. sixth mo most productive state in Africa. Yes. You, you start to get something interesting here that there's a certain contradiction, if you will say, uh, between capitalism and productivity, which I have learned to make my peace with. 
uh, as 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 very useful modes of uh, generating and 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 using wealth and mm-hmm. and and this contradiction with the people doing the generation of of this wealth so the people organizing the generation of wealth are very comfortable they 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 are in kileleshwa they are in lovington they're enjoying themselves and they're in government and, and that's fine. They have yeah. talents of organization and I have, I have little, I have little gripe with that. But the mm-hmm. people doing the actual heavy lifting of the economy are suffering in Kibera, in Madare, and, and and the civil society, and I am pointing an accusatory finger at the civil society and realizing that the civil society is me, <laughs> um, has has done very little to to fix these things as they come. So if if let's say there were a thousand people in Nairobi living in slums, at, at the, a thousand families living in slums at the, uh, this is just, I guess, at, the, at, at our independence, at our independence, the civil society could have done something about that. And it was entirely possible for people to get organized religious groups, uh, non-religious actors, uh, the United Nations, ETC, to get together and and fix this thing, and then ra- expand public housing or semi-public housing slowly as as you go along. And the Catholic Church has done this, I think, amazingly for schools and hospitals. So mm-hmm. there's a very sophisticated um, religious-based. Uh, hospital health system and and school system in the in the country, which is a good thing, um, because it complements the state. The state yes, doesn't yeah. have to do so much, and and yes. I get that argument completely. Now the issue comes in here when people sort of abdicate the 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 so-called body politic mm-hmm. abdicates their role, and yes. and they don't blame them. We we didn't set up a, a specific culture because partially by the way because of a very strong state so remember Kenyatta as he yes, grows yes, yes, becomes yes, more yes. and more of a strong man and then another strong man takes over from him and and things get centralized I like I like looking at societies nowadays I am I am enamored with the network theory for some reason so this mm-hmm. node this control node gets extremely strong and by definition because it's about resources here it weakens the the, All the, the, nodes. the layer that is supposed to do the work the, the yes. civil society actively yes. and inactively yes. so yes. it monopolizes resources and it also actively suppresses <laughs> yeah um, yeah all these, yeah all these civil societies that were supposed to deal with the with the issues of the day so that's I don't a, entirely that's a very nice way of putting society. it because it necessarily arises from the nature like once once the central node is powerful that power has then to come everything from. else is yes. Yeah. And and the network then becomes unstable. Yes. And, and that is that is partially uh, I think why African states are unstable. African states with strong men. I respect Kagame a lot, but what his activities in Rwanda is making by defini- by definition is making Rwanda unstable. Sadly. Yeah, yes. that's 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 what I think. Yeah. Um, now if if the state then does this it has implicitly put itself in a social contract with the, with the, with the society. So the state here is arguing, and, and this was what the father of the nation, Mze Baba Wataifa, uh, Mze Daniel Toroitich, Arab Moi, he was arguing that he is the civil society. Yes. Basically. Yes. And if the state therefore is the civil society, it is the state's job to then 
and to keep all the state's job to provide health, sophisticated health systems. And of course, the problem, the contradiction comes here, and I think I'm agreeing with you right now. When the state is too strong, the yes. state is corrupt by definition. By definition, corrupt. yes. Now, now you get into trouble, weak civil society, corrupt state that is selling a social contract that it can't it can't accede to anyway. By definition, it's it, it's incapable because all, all the, the resources are getting lost. Um and 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 the the, the the nation then becomes unstable. Now my worry is that even after liberalization, and, and we can see this clearly, even after liberalization in 2002, the civil society has had 20 odd years to expand itself. And it has, for, for, it has, it has, it has expanded itself. We are now allowed to passionately debate with the state. We insult Uhuru as a, as a Twitter hobby. We, we are allowed <laughs> to do these things. Yeah, the, yeah. the civil society has not yet taken its place. And, and yes. that is my worry. That is yes. my worry. Uh, for example, uh, I don't know why, but the civil society has allowed itself to get into this weird marriage with the state. So we have, with all due respect to him, I don't know where he gets his wealth. The deputy president walking around in churches, dishing out money. Now, yes. Yes. this money, this, this weird marriage with the state leads, I think, I think there should be attention. And I don't know whether the theorist you're studying has outlined this. I think there should be a tension between then the civil society and the state. And, yeah, and yeah, this yeah. adversarial relationship should slowly make- Should keep the system balanced, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. should improve. So if, if classic example, there's that person you competed with in, with in school and your head, your semi-head and love for each other sort of improved both of you. Like, so an, this a, is, like a Hegelian dialectical improvement. Yes. Yes, um, you have big words. <laughs> <laughs> yes, those big words. Yes, yes, there has to be a dialectic. Yeah, you, you see, the there has is, to be attention. Yes, what, what you mentioned is, in a way, the state has a role to play in the health of the civil society. Yes. Because there are certain things that the civil society might need resources that only the state can provide to do. So, for example, public funding for education. So civil society might be providing education, but it might need the support of the state in, for example, curriculum yes. development, resources. Um, yeah, stuff like that. Because civil society may not have access to all of those resources by itself because it, it doesn't function at the same scale. Because civil society yeah. is, a, is a multiplicity of players acting at all kinds of levels. So if, one example is, for example, the charter school system in the United States which reaches out to very underserved groups of people, but still draws funding from the public uh, public sector. So maybe part of the condition might be that the kind of funding that comes from the public sector, from the government, from the state, is spent on apolitical functions, you know, so that this civil society is not participating in the decisions on how the, society, the, the state is constituted, you know, by the election cycle. But anyway, I wanted to stop this here because I think this, this is a conversation that, I mean, we need to be having it. I've seen a lot of our young people are very cynical. Uh, it's like they've given up on, on, yeah. on the possibility of improving our states. 
Um, and I don't know, I don't know how exactly we are going to convince them. I don't know if you thought about possibilities of, of, of doing that, but rather than going there, allow me to steer the conversation. I'm not supposed to steer the conversation. This is supposed to naturally evolve. Um, but <laughs> I, I think I'm getting sober now. <laughs> My two beers and you, you are the you are the dictator. You will do as you wish. <laughs> I've, been, I've been drinking too much water, you know. <laughs> um, but I wanted to ask you something I've, we've never gotten to do. I don't know. Are you still an atheist? Yeah, yeah. I'm still. I oh, I will oh, say no. You define yourself as an atheist. That. Yeah, yeah, I'm still, for the most part, uh, okay. I'm an atheist. Although I will be honest with you, Matthew, I'm getting, I'm getting a bit, conf- a, a bit confused with myself, and this is a very exciting because I've been static for a long time, and then mm-hmm. I've started thinking about agency and 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 physics and and all this stuff, and I'm getting a bit confused. But still, fundamentally, uh, you you will you will call me an atheist, yeah. Please tell me uh, at what point. Did you decide or realize that you were an atheist? And, and what, 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 what precipitated that? And how do you define that? Those are three questions. My God. Okay, fine. Have a okay. Let's start with the definition because it is very important. Yes. Um, because I would I, I, I don't think you hold this argument, but I see it repeated often ad nauseum and it, it gets exhausting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That atheism is a belief. So yes. uh I define atheism not as the as the as the belief that God does not exist. I define atheism as the rejection of the belief that God exists. So you have this position that there's a there's a supernatural um, uh, self-conscious agent who who is all powerful and all these attributes who created the universe and you call this agent God. And then an atheist, a classical atheist, will say, "No, I, I don't believe." that such an agent exists. So that's my definition. And, and that way, therefore, the, the, the rejection of a belief does not necessarily, this is just semantics, does not necessarily imply a belief. So for mm-hmm. example, a rejection of the belief in the existence of Cinderella does not therefore imply that this is a belief. It's just a rejection. It's a skepticism. It's mm-hmm. a skeptical position, if you will. Um, I realized that I was an, I didn't realize that I was an artist. I, I, I might be remembering this in a, in a sort of exultory manner to myself. So I hope that, but, but I, 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 I thought, I think I reasoned it out uh, partly because of exposure. So I was, I was reading science fiction novels about the tension of science and religion. If you haven't, I, I think you've read Dan Brown, Angels and Demons. These, I've, these, read, I've read uh, all, of, all of Dan Brown's books until I think, I think I've read like six novels by Dan Brown. So you've gotten to Lost Symbol, yeah? The Lost Symbol, yes. Um, Angels and Demons, The Da Vinci Code. Um, there was this, I've, I've forgotten, I've just forgotten. There's another one, Inferno. I, I'm Inferno, sure I have read Inferno, Inferno yes. Because I, I know you're a fan of Dante. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. 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 Um, there's, there's, there's another, there's another one. one that opens with a scene in the North Pole, or rather in the Arctic. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the great, 
what is no is it the deception point deception, deception point. point yes 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 yeah. yes, yes, yes. It, it was also very interesting dan brown is an amazing writer uh, you know what actually but, i have a criticism of dan brown i think he focuses yeah. too much on plot and less on characters and i think uh, for 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 See, that's what i love most about him for, well the thing is that makes it that makes it forgettable because that's that's a very american tendency actually um, if you look at <laughs> if you look at uh, russian art you realize russian and i mean even continental european art and even some anglo saxon stuff especially of the classical period what we call classical period if we don't count the ancients um, there's a lot of focus on character development like the locus of the action is in the psychological realm rather than in the external so the external is a manifestation more of a battle that takes place inside dan brown and and, and the americans externalize the struggle and so it's it's very enjoyable in terms of plot and i think that's why american movies have so much of an allure but it's not memorable There's, it doesn't attack the human psyche as much as you know if if you camelenio hit me the camelenio hit me a lot <laughs> Yeah, it's Camelenco. Yeah. Camelenco. That's that's in that's in the Da Vinci Code, no? So yeah, the, the, yeah. I I read up on it, and yeah. and 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 the the I think there was an expert on in in Vatican. There's there's another book written in, in written independently, dissecting yeah. the angels and demons, yes. and and the guy says that there's no such thing as the Camelenco. Oh, there's only no, the Camelenco. No. Who's the, the, the who's the Chamberlain? The Camelenco exists. The camelengo is a misspelling yes. of the camelenyo. So G N O rather than N G O. And it is totally okay. interesting. So this and, and this tells G, you a lot G, about G, that. He goes and reads reads up on stuff. Yes, yes, that is correct. Right. That is I think I think Dan Brown usually has a plot. And yes. then looks for the people who will peep, who will populate yeah. the plot. And then he doesn't. Fo- yeah. he doesn't I, I, I think you're right in this. He doesn't focus too no, much. No, I don't think it is a bad thing. People. I think it is a good thing because yes. um, I've always been of the belief that uh, our stories are bigger than us, sort of. <laughs> and, and and I think the Americans buy this wholesale. So America is the great thing. The Americans, the Americans. If if you if you if you look at them are very driven by pragmatism you know yeah, like yeah. the uh, there's a thing work now i want it to work okay fine it works well and good let's move on um and i think i think i think we share sadly, that yes, i think sadly, <laughs> to an extent yes to an extent although i don't think we've developed it properly or even articulated it so there's still room for <laughs> there's still room for broadening our influences you have to look at russian literature so um especially the big masters you know uh, dostoevsky tolstoy pushkin i like tolstoy i yes. love tolstoy yeah that is when you realize that there's the the, the f- focusing on the character makes the story more human to be to be honest and, and and i think that's why that tradition is deeper because ultimately and i think this is something even jordan peterson has struck on 
ultimately the struggle is within the human psyche. This thing, uh, this thing Solzhenitsyn wrote in the Gulag Archipelago, I don't know if it's in the Gulag Archipelago or, Archipelago or in his uh, 1978 Harvard commencement address, which by the way, just flew over the heads of all of his listeners. He gave the commencement address in Harvard in 1978, and I don't think anybody understood him <laughs> completely. I mean, I've read that thing, I think two times, and I look at Harvard and I'm like, these guys did get a shit. They did get a thing. <laughs> Solzhenitsyn said. He gave the entire speech in Russian, actually. So I've read the translation. But that line he says that, I mean, that thing he says that the, the line between good and evil cuts through every human heart. Every human, yeah, yeah. That stuck out. Yeah. Like there's good people and evil people. It's like every single person is both evil and good. And I, I and I think Peterson Peterson let's let's gossip him a bit here. He's a he's a big fan of that idea, and I and I admire it actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like this. I like I like the idea that he, he tells you openly, and and this I think is a statement against leftist social justice groups that if you were in Germany you would have been a Nazi, and yeah. and the moment you realize yes, that, yes, you I, it's the first time I heard that I was shocked, and and I said you are right. I would have been a Nazi. And I'm like, wow. So there's, yeah, there's evil in everyone. Yeah. There, there's this I, I totally that, admire that, that observation. Something I, that, that observation that you mentioned of, of, of Peterson, of you would have been a Nazi if you're in Nazi Germany. It hit me when I acknowledged that, I mean, we have evil people who've attacked our country. For example, the Al-Shabaab guys. Yeah. And in my worst moments, not even my worst moments, these are not even my worst moments. I mean, just ordinarily, like I just sit in a matatu and fantasize of how I would torture Al if I could find them. Like if, if I had them in my power, the things I would do to them. And then- But, but I remember one of your writings that stuck out to me. Yeah. You, I think there was a time you were interested in the psyche of such an individual and you decided to write uh, from, from the perspective, perspective of, yeah, it yeah, was totally amazing. Yeah, I like that. I I like even other contemporary American authors, they miss the plot on this, um, in my opinion, because I've read quite a lot of them. I mean, I think on this, on this, I can speak with uh, with some authority. <laughs> if, I may allowed, if I may be allowed. Have you read the the spies? Is Ludlam American? Yes. Yes. Uh, Ludlam is American. I don't know. I, maybe maybe I'm, I'm I'm an Americanized. Uh, the Jeffrey Archers and the and the uh, Matarese Circle. It was it yes, was amazing. Matarese, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, people, but anyway, yeah, even the romance guys, the romance ladies, Akina Jodi Picold, and what's the name of this other lady? What's the lady who wrote the house? I think she is one of the most prolific writers. I forget her name now. Um, Sid, no, no, no. Sheldon, Sidney Sheldon is a different one. Sheldon is actually a gentleman. Imagine my shock when I learned that. After my mother, reading, my mother has been reading, reading like ten books. My mother has been reading, <laughs> has been reading Sheldon for a long while. And I, I like, assume 
totally that she will <laughs> thank you for that much you yeah i i i Michelle is a gentleman i learned that i learned that a few years ago and i was like what the hell this feels like a, a, a betrayal um and wow. then like they, 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 they're more technical guys like in a grisham so i've read like, I, i read quite a lot of american novels perhaps too much growing up but then I always had a sprinkling of the classics in there so quite a bit of uh, of dickens um dickens, yeah. yeah and a few other a few other of the classical english guys but it's only when i intentionally decided to go into the classics that i realized that i'd be missing out on the real stuff <laughs> i think i think i think look at it this way yeah uh, mozart and uh, tupac shakur are both musicians one is at the avant-garde he's 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 at like the very limits of music he's exploring music to its extremes one there are the packages music for the masses so it is i think this a congruent relationship between what the americans are doing they, they've brought literature to the masses you know something relatable to everybody the kind of stuff that you'd find a, a lady reading on a matatu you know <laughs> then if you see the guys the guys who sit in matatus with books very nice you know they they bring the reading culture to the people but hey, are you frozen <laughs> i've been speaking to myself here let's see if if uh, ck comes back So, yeah. so I I I think I I I dropped out again. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Uh Zoom Zoom is But anyway, I was saying that the 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 relationship is more or less the same. There's one it it's pop music with avant-garde music. <laughs> music yeah. at the extremes and music that is packaged for consumption. And I have no problem with with uh with pop music or pop literature. But it people should not stop there or at least people who want to be serious about it should you know this should be your gateway drug into the deeper stuff Wagner. yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it should be a gateway drug into into the deeper struggles you know because if you read dostoevsky dostoevsky destroys you like the guy just takes you apart completely <laughs> you know and then slowly rebuilds you rebuilds you yeah, yeah i mean especially in i life. haven't tried the dostoevsky for do, do the but i liked tolstoy i you know tolstoy has an opposite story to me you you, you know and he talks about it mm-hmm. uh, he starts atheist and worldly and and then he sort of gets into a personal crisis and then he started he, he starts to basically look look to god look to the sky and yes yes and that's his character arc and he writes about it as if he's writing about one of he removes himself from himself and yeah. I, and i liked that i remember it's reading like that like an observer of his own psyche yeah, yeah. and I, i loved it i loved yeah. it so no, so no, i no, i, no, I, I get i get placing characters at the center yes. of the of the story uh, centering characters I, i i totally get it of course um, without without dispersing with the plot you know i mean because yes you read yes. this these are the writers they pay as much attention to the plot as the modern guys the contemporary guys 
but, but they get not, deeper into they, character. They do not neglect the characters. Absolutely. They do, I mean, they, they pay so much attention to the characters. I mean, like, if the Brothers Karamazov, I think there's like, what, 50 or 60 yeah. characters, you know, and each of them is very well developed. They're all relatable. Yeah. Even yeah. the children, <laughs> you know, like, what the hell, man? Who has attention? There's, no, there's no crowd. There's nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The children are all relatable. And it's, you know, if, if you read, um, is it angels and demons? Uh, which 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 of uh, Nani's books is there a nuclear melt? I mean, the meltdown of a processing system at the NSA. I think it's angels and demons. Um, what, well, what this guy who, who puts, wait, wait, up, puts up three um, fingers, and the differences between plutonium, uranium two thirty eight, and uranium two thirty five, and is pointing this out as the code to avoid that meltdown. I think it must be angels and demons. It's no no angels and demons is about antimatter. Uh, ah, yeah, 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 I didn't know the matter. Um, I, 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 I forget the point. It's one of them. Um, uh, how many characters are there that are relatable? Perhaps the Japanese guy. You know? Yeah, but Anna Karenina, you remember Anna, you remember Karenin, her husband, you remember the what's the name of this guy? Uh, the Shabatskis, you remember Kitty, you remember Levin, you remember Levin's bro, you remember all of these guys, and you can more or less start a conversation about them because you're, they, the character traits are there. They, even they, if, they're, they're stuck. Yeah, yeah they're, they're people. They're actual people. These guys approximated the struggles that human beings go through. Anyway, sorry, we, we digressed quite a bit. <laughs> but that, that is an interesting segue into literature. Um, yeah. I, I sort of am a big fan of stories being bigger than the characters, I guess because of Af my, my reading of African oral tradition. Mm -hmm. uh, African oral tradition is more or less centers on the events and, and, and you know, we don't even, our, our oral tradition has very rarely names this, the, the characters, you know, there yeah. was a chief and very, the, the, the story in, in, itself. Individuals exists. don't exist, or they exist yeah, yeah. very minimally. I, I, I think it, it says something about Africans, and, and this is where, or African tradition, and this is where I would, I would disagree with Peterson. There, there's a tension here. There's a tension between the, the, the community and the individual. Yes. So, and, 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 and I think people, several people have written about this. The Western culture tends ever since the enlightenment anyway, tends to center on the internal struggles of individuals and, and that is fine. And, and in building up basically the intellectual, moral, social and economic basis of the individual, the individual. So the individual yes. as an actor in, 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 in the economy basically helps Adam Smith explain capitalism. The, the, the homo and capitalism. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. so the individual is self-interested. We do not rely on the on the goodness of the baker to get our bread, you know. We yeah. rely on his interest on his own survival. It is yes. easy. So the yeah. individual, the individual, the individual. I think Africa has a different thing going on. Africa has a sort of community thing going on. So the, 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 the people, the village, that village in that area, the stories in that setting of that village and of that tribe. So, so I, and I have a very good um, African stories book. Uh, amongst the whatever people of Congo, there's this story. So there's an emphasis on, on the group 
rather than the individual. And yeah. that's what makes it very easy for people who have not met for 10 years to contribute and build a house for some one of them. Ubuntu. Yes. Yeah. 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 There's a book you might want to look into. This is a, a plug. Um, I think a Jesuit missionary in the Congo, who wrote a book called Bantu Philosophy. I should read that. I've been looking for a book that yeah. gets deep into this. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course, he was trying to apply a Western interpretive schema to the yeah. thing, but he did a, a pretty good job. Um, I remember reading snippets of it uh, in the but as part of my coursework for, 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 for applied philosophy masters. But anyway, let's, let's go back to how you got to, to define yourself <laughs> or to discover that you are, you are an atheist. So um, I, read, I read Dan Brown, Angels and Demons, and this tension bothered me, this, mm -hmm. this tension between, or so-called tension. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, Kidogo, hold on, Kidogo, hold on, Kidogo. When did you read the book and when did the tension begin? Uh, uh, form two. So okay. I, 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 I had been reading Dan Brown. I read, so the post-election violence, for example, found me in Kakamega and it was not a good place for a Kinyanjui to be. So uh, <laughs> what, 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 are you, what are you doing in Kakamega? I was brought up in Kakamega, so and and my mother. Oh, wait, 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 just... wait, okay, okay. This is this is this is now getting <laughs> juicy. This is getting very juicy. <laughs> Tell me about that first, and then we we can <laughs> we can pick up. Of course, I mean, um, of course, this is a public forum, so tell only the no, way. no, no worries. Uh, my my personal story is 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 not is not too private as such. <laughs> there are very many people with similar stories to me. Anyway, um, yeah. my my grandfather is buried in Western Kenya. My grandmothers, two of them, are buried in Western Kenya. Uh, I barely speak Kikuyu because I was brought up in Western Kenya. I was brought up in Kakamega, I think, for ten years. My mother worked in Kisumu for two years before moving to Kakamega. And then we then moved to Eldoret in 2005, I think. And then in 2007, we had gone to visit family friends uh, and family in Kakamega and, and Western Kenya. And then uh, violence broke out and it did not matter. Uh, uh, although, uh, um, for example, the, the, the family friends that we lived with, within Kakamega during that Christmas period, the house got burnt down. Mm -hmm. uh, something interesting that has happened since uh, there has been reconciliation. The, 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 the local lawyer community has talked to the Kikuyu community that they ejected. And, and some there has been some slow but deliberate reconciliation. And I like that. I mm -hmm. like that about, about, about Kenyans. Anyway, so I that's that's basically my whatever background. Yeah. So so um, I was I was in uh, oh moving back to the to the atheism story. So we, yeah. where, we where just did you, where did you go to high school? Uh, Nakuru. Nakuru. Nakuru High. So we after after the after the violence, uh, basically my mother asked the people she was working for to transfer her from Eldoret because she she stopped feeling safe basically and mm -hmm. we, moved, we moved into we moved to Nakuru where we've settled now um anyway I started reading Dan Brown in primary school 
the 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 um da vinci code and it was amazing and for the first time yeah. uh, although most yeah. of it was hearsay and and rumors and conspiracy theory stuff i i have come to accept it later it blew my mind it blew my mind <laughs> so yeah. when when somebody attacks i i think that's where it starts so, he attacked for me he attacked the sanctity i was reading that in the in the camp mm-hmm. uh, he attacked the sanctity of christ and yeah. that was something shocking to me are people allowed to do this you know? <laughs> why, why, why was that shocking to you why you brought up in a christian i was brought up in a christian setting sk through and through and okay uh, we would have although although my mother there's an interesting story here um uh my mother sort of left the the church yeah, <laughs> because of of auctioneering in the church though i think there was something <laughs> There was something they, they were they were doing some sort of harambe for, yeah. for something building something in the church i can't remember i was young but my mother would then much later come to tell us i went to the to the to the father uh, and and asked him for god's sake it's in the bible jesus is beating up people for trading in the church and you hear auctioneering goats and and maize in the church what is going on and then they would have a heated argument and then she left and and we sort of <laughs> going to church because of that yeah. <laughs> but but every sort of sunday me and my mom would sit down and she she was very interested in theology yeah. discussing the nature of god and the, the nature of christ and we would have these discussions i would ask questions she would answer she's she's a sort of semi trained theologian so she, mm. we would have very long disc- it wasn't a sermon but it was a discussion and mm. anyway, anyway and, my, and, my, and, my and, does she still identify as christian semi yes semi okay okay, okay. <laughs> okay. non affiliated non affiliated so she's yeah she's an institutional christian she she goes to church regularly sort of and then you know she she reads the bible she still likes reading the bible although she she's also gotten into kikuyu traditionalism and, and it's totally interesting so yes. we having we have this i come from a house which struggles with religion sort of yes, we, yes. We, there's a lot of hashing out there's a lot of debate uh, even amongst my brothers and and what what have you so anyway this is the first little, time just just a little uh, thing that has just hit me i, I think i should mention yeah. this the name of Jacob in the Old Testament Jacob's name Jacob the son of uh, of Isaac, wrestled with God yes he wrestled with God and then his name was changed into Israel Israel yeah. the one who wrestled with God God yeah 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 so and and it's 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 a fascinating thing because you know one would assume that people who are religious should just accept these things and move mm-hmm. on um and yet the experience of many people and it's my certainly my experience as well is that to properly engage with the idea of god there has to be a struggle you know because god god wants everything you know like you he wants he wants everything he wants your mind not he just wants your, he wants your intellect man like the hell man it's my intellect why should i capitulate to <laughs> to your propositions about how i should conceptualize the world so it's a constant tension and i guess the classical christianity and i think the eastern guys might have gotten this even better the eastern christians is like a constant effort to identify with the propositions you know which are 
basically personified in, in, in the person of Jesus Christ. You know, like, <laughs> there's constant tension. The world doesn't want me to do this thing that you, you're telling me to do. So, yeah. you know, to think in the way that you want me to think, you know, there's so much evidence to the contrary. Like, what the hell do you want me to do? To, 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 to suspend, suspend the intellect. Ama, Ama is like, how is it that I can do this without suspending my intellect? Is there a way to reconcile these things? And so, it's a, it's a struggle. Israel is somebody who struggles with God. And the interesting thing is that Israel almost wins. Jacob almost wins that battle. Yes, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So God pulls a sneaky move, you know, like he touches his thigh and dislocates uh, his hip, <laughs> you know. So God, God cheats in battle. <laughs> God, cheats <laughs> God cheats in battle to keep Jacob faithful. <laughs> like, I should I should reread that passage. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He touches he touches his his thigh and then his hip is dislocated. But Jacob would have won that battle if God had not pulled that sneaky move. <laughs> but anyway, so so much for omnipotence, eh? <laughs> so much for omnipotence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I come from the background that that sort of struggles with God. Although when I was in when I was in primary, we 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 sort of didn't have this struggle in the family. Yeah. But I read this book and I'm shocked. It's the first piece of literature that I have come across that questions the sanctity of Christ, uh, fiction or not. And you know Dan Brown has this interesting statement, everything that is based on whatever, whatever, true, true statements or facts or something like that. Yeah. So I start wondering about it, but suspend it. I, yeah. say, I, I say fine. Uh, I just put it in my background. And then form one comes and um, I'm a, a devout. So I get into a school that has definite Christian structure. So we go for short services. I, I don't remember what they were called. I think called Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday or something like that. And morning then Saturday devotion. we see you. Yeah? Morning devotion? I don't know. Yes, morning devotions. Yeah. We had the yeah. same in, in high school, yes. But we were free to attend them. That that was the the Anyway, it was maybe compulsory. I'll, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll get to tell this story better, but I think that's one thing that I think the Lenana school got very, very right. We were not forced with religion. Uh, people were free to do whatever they wanted. And so people who came out of that school religious actually took religion seriously. <laughs> they, were free. Yeah, they were free. There, there was no... The, 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 the baggage that comes with being, with being forced to love God wasn't there. <laughs> you know? and, and you know, the, the issue here is that you're, and, and maybe this was a contributing factor to my case. The issue yeah. here is that you're handling teenagers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, we just want to, they just want to rebel. rebel. <laughs> like, why are you yeah. telling me to do this? I don't want to do it. Leave me alone. So we had CU, and of course, we had Sunday. So, um, but I, 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 the CUs were not compulsory, so I, I, I sort of, I sort of never went for them. But second year comes, and someone has angels and demons, and because I've read Dan Brown, I asked for the book, and we had just finished our exams, and I, I didn't sleep. I don't remember sleeping that night. I, I read that book morning to night to morning. And I think I finished it at around lunchtime. It yeah. it blew my mind completely, completely. Yeah. Um, I remember even asking for Abbott. So I asked for Abbott, Abbott because physics. everything said here is true. So I had to confirm that antimatter is in fact something that 
the laws of physics allow, that the physics <laughs> understands and allows. And I, guess I what? Reading, it, it does. I about physics and cover to cover. Because we, yeah. we had a copy of it, although it was no longer a textbook for, for, for teaching, but for, we, had, yeah, yeah. we had a copy of it in our library and I read it from page From page. cover to cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, an, it's, it's an interesting book. book. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I read the nuclear physics chapter. Yeah. For, I think an entire prep, so I remember it was Friday and Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. I read it and I was amazed that there were these particle accelerators. That's what got me into physics. I found physics extremely boring. High school physics was extremely boring for me. Yeah. And I read this sexy nuclear physics and that's how I got to physics. I used to get uh, 40s and 30s in physics. I didn't care about the subject. I just, why, why do I have to care about doors and density? And this is this is nonsense. I was going to drop physics in the in, in form two. And, oh, and that, have, that, that specifically is a real disservice to the community, man. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because for, for real, I mean, even though for me physics was one of my favorite subjects, um, I think meeting you showed me what having physics as a favorite subject means because <laughs> you know because I had this physics physics was I was always performing very well in physics and I enjoyed it thoroughly. I think that's part of the reason why I I read about physics from cover to cover. You know, I really enjoyed it. But in campus, once it started becoming very abstract and theoretical, you know, the stuff with the that unit, what states of matter and 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 quantum mechanics yeah and mathematical physics I was like what the hell physics, man yeah. you know i like physics but <laughs> what is that reality yeah. you know like give me <laughs> give, give me the stuff that i can use now you know because <laughs> I, I, I lost it completely once i go to eigenvectors eigenvalues and eigenvalues i get this shit man i don't get this shit so i thanked the lord that i was i was only doing it for two years and then i would proceed to the application, you know, because we did with geophysics in that year. Geophysics yeah, now, yeah, you get back is, to the, the real it's stuff. application now, it's, it's practical. But the moment you start venturing into theoretical physics, I think the brain power you require is not here. It's it's there. It's, it's Where? <laughs> <laughs> it's where you are. In fact, no, let me not say this. I think this one, these are the people we'll have to keep. Uh, waiting for maybe I'll tell it in episode 1000. There's a secret here that <laughs> about, 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 about uh, this CK man, uh, yeah, his service to the community in, in, in <laughs> the physics community in Chiromo. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, yeah, so tell me, yeah, 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 go ahead, go ahead. So, anyway, I, I, I. And then this tension comes, yeah. The the Camelengo, you remember him complaining. Okay, his the character is the Camelengo, as you have said. Yeah. Um, he starts complaining about the the rapid and ruthless advances of science and what this bodes for society, specifically for religion. And he, he starts by saying to the to the men of science, to the to the workers and men of science, something like that. Let me accept that you have won this war. And then he complains and complains, and then there is the reverse of 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 the of the of the of the sun physicist. I think Maximilian Kola, something like that. Mm -hmm. I remember the characters, and and he he's talking about the irrelevance of religion. So, I this tension starts to form in me, uh, but but I've just started getting interested in science. So, I was lucky. Um, we, we had a DS at home. So I watched National Geographic. And then 
this documentary is about the Big Bang and evolution and Darwin, and that's where I met Dawkins. So yeah. that's another transformative character in my life. So I meet Richard Dawkins in, I think, in a documentary about Darwin. And, and he has a debate with the SK, the, the head of the SEK, which is my family's church. Yeah. And in, in my opinion, he dresses that guy down. <laughs> and remember, this is a young, teenage, impressionable boy. He dresses yeah. this guy down, basically scoffs at his arguments and yeah. just swipes them away like that. And to be honest, in in whatever, if you, what is this thing called? Back, back what? I'm losing this word. If you back, if you view it in hindsight. In hindsight, um, yes. The, the arguments were weak. They were just they were just weak. I'll, I'll, I'll get the video and send it to you. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and the guy was stammering. And <laughs> anyway, I, I I remember I remember him giving Dawkins giving the guy addressing down. He the, the, the guy retired. I I think his his name is Rowan Atkinson. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure. Yeah. No, no, not anyway, Atkinson. Anyway, uh, Not yeah. Atkinson. Atkinson is Mr. Bean. Uh, ah, Rowan, Rowan, who? Rowan somebody. <laughs> yeah, he's a Rowan. He's, I know he's a Rowan. He's a Rowan somebody. somebody. Yes, yes, yes. Anyway, anyway uh, how can I confuse? <laughs> was he that unserious with the? No, no, the Rowan, the, 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 Rowan, the Rowan name was monopolized by that uh, adorable the character. <laughs> yes. And it stuck to my confused mind. Anyway, so wait, 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 wait. This is this is the this is where now we need to get a third guy. You know the way Joe Rogan tells Jamie to. Pull that shit up, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to have a Jimmy somewhere once we put up. Yeah, the, 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 yeah. yeah they pull that shit up. Get, get the name of that guy because it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I know the name of the guy myself, but I've forgotten that. that that's yeah. Yes. I remember he's a tall guy with some beards and stuff. And yes, we'll get we'll get Jimmy for one of these episodes, yeah. maybe episode ten. If, if we'll we'll refer to him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jimmy so, pull that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, and then Dawkins also shocks me. So yeah. I have I've never in my life countenanced the idea that somebody could reject. I I had sort of implicitly started rejecting the divinity of Christ. And yeah. all these things included in the Nicene Creed. I had started to view Christ as a historical, historical person of interest, but not divine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was sort of in my in the back of my head, but cloudy and unarticulated. But ever since Dan Brown, I had started doubting the idea that they are uh, they, they, they are they are divine beings who have intervened in our history. Um, and I had bought into the opposite, yeah. That there are people who we we have as ourselves have sort of deified. So there are historical figures like George Washington is effectively deified by the United States. He was just a normal slaveholding farmer who sort of struggled with the empire, but like like we all do. But but he's been sort of deified. Anyway, what happens is that I meet someone who rejects this idea offhand. And that is weird for me. And it starts bothering me. And, and almost for, I think, three months, I, I read Wikipedia article upon Wikipedia article, 
history of Christianity. He, I, it was just merely Wikipedia. It was not deep research. I didn't get books or something like that. But I yeah. read Wikipedia article upon Wikipedia article, relativity, Big Bang, evolution, etc., etc., etc. And it starts settling in my mind that um, there is no real support for the, for the existence of God. And by third term form two, I have lost. Uh, I have lost Christianity and I have lost my belief in God. So by, by form three, I was, I was an atheist. By, by, second, by, the, by the last term of form two, I was an atheist. But by form three, it was settled. So this is 2009, 2010, so I think 10 years ago. I, I had I, I lost my religion and I started debating. <laughs> I started debating people in a Christian school about it. I, I ended up being called by the principal and given <laughs> not, not a dressing gown but a sermon. <laughs> so the guy the guy opens his Bible and you know and I I think you recognize this. Uh, for two people in different mental states, it's very difficult to have a communication. Yes, so he opens yes. his Bible and I'm secretly That's preaching to you. Like, yeah, dude, I don't, I don't, say, I don't yeah. recognize the authority yeah. of that book. Why yeah, exactly. And I was about to say that yeah. and I remember yeah. that I was in a school that would was liable for to would have expelled me as easily <laughs> as, 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 as a note. So, here is something so anyway, he prays for me and yeah. I bend down and I and I accept the prayer and keep quiet about my atheism. Uh, here's some, something you, you don't know about me. Um, but almost the same process happened for me in class eight. Ah, yes. Um, and in fact, my path back to, to my faith almost went through Islam. <laughs> yes, I almost became a Muslim in form one. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, for me, the doubts started before, before high school. I, I probably would have ended up where you are if it had been in high school. Uh, because by the time I'm going to high school, I'm basically, I don't know if atheist is the right term, perhaps agnostic. I was, I was irreligious, basically. Yeah, I was done. I was done with religion. There was just too many people telling too many stories about the same thing, and they're all contradictory. I'm like, what the hell, man? Can't you guys tell the same story? And then, <laughs> yeah, I mean, why, why do you disagree about something so important? Of get your acts together. Yeah, yeah. Later on, I realized that it's precisely the important things that people disagree yeah. about the most. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> they are important stuff. Nobody cares. There's no sticks. Um, but yes, so class seven and class eight, I was basically out. I think because for me, reading so much happened earlier. I talked a bit about this in the last podcast, but I read too much and too wide. The, in that the period between class four and class eight. So by the time I'm heading into class eight, I am basically fighting the people who hold the same beliefs as myself. There's a friend of mine who more or less saved my faith without knowing it. I've never told him that because, I mean, in argument, he would not hold his own against me. I would destroy him every single time. There was, there was nothing he could tell me. But the simplicity with which he held that belief in a way kept me grounded without me acknowledging it, you know, because while well, I was still struggling with the idea of faith, 
um, it was always there in the background. Like this guy is so convinced about this thing. He cannot articulate strong arguments for it, but it has an impact in the way he lives and in the way he talks. And this is class eight. And you know, I don't know if this was the same for you, but when you're going through these things, there's nobody to share these ideas with. Because yeah, the, the, the only person you can argue with is Except my mother. Yeah, your classmates, but then your classmates can't hold their own against you because you're so far ahead, you know, on, on, on this topic at least, that they don't even know where you're coming from. And then all the older people just want to dress you down so you don't share with them, you know, because they are they're also, basically talking down to you. They're yeah, not like what the hell? Yeah, yeah. Just it's because exhausting you're, also, yeah. yeah. Just because you're older, you know, you think you have authority over my intellect. No way. I know how to read. I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And so by the time I'm going to high school, I'm irreligious. I don't like God very much. And then this Muslim friend of mine, um, I I wanted to say his name, but I won't say his name. I mean, he, he brings me back to religion, more or less, and almost converts me. But then at the same time, he almost converts me another Catholic friend comes along and invites me to start going back to the Catholic stuff, you know, because you see, as I told you, we were free. So I was not really intent on going to any of these religious gatherings of students. But then this person invites me one Sunday to something that's happening in the Catholic chapel in the afternoon after mass. Um, And I go. And for some reason, I think that just brought me back gradually. You know, because for for the first time, I encountered people who could give reasons for belief. For the first time, I mean, it's not like they were the strongest reasons. These guys were campus students, most of them. So it's not like they had properly articulated these things themselves, like ultimately. But they had a bit more grounding, you know, for, 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 for their beliefs. And... That got me interested. So I was hooked for like four years. <laughs> I was just like, oh, these guys are for real, man. And they don't just focus on the theoretical, but they, they bring down even the practical implications of the theory. And so I, I don't know if this is something, many people have told me they've never like experienced this. Maybe, maybe for pe- every person that crisis comes at some point in life and then where you go. I guess it's a normal thing. Yeah. Um, but there's a, there's a sort of taboo. Uh, yes against against speaking speaking that you once doubted it's the, the, there's a sort of an implicit taboo yeah. uh, against this although although we are starting to now recognize that this is a struggle as you have said correctly yeah. Uh, yeah. religion is a struggle uh, every every process uh, regarding belief is a struggle if you see somebody confidently articulating their beliefs constantly and they say that they've never struggled with this stuff they're lying they're basically lying it's it's a, it's a struggle it's a yeah. it's an implicit yeah. struggle it's a mental process and because it's a mental process they yeah struggle. they're lying they're or either they're lying yeah. intentionally or they're naive they don't know okay. what yeah. it means to yeah. believe like they've not, <laughs> they've not contended they've not contended with it they don't realize that belief is not a simple thing it's not I mean, yeah it's not a simple thing they, they, according to canonical catholicism basically faith is not an act of the intellect you know the intellect uh, at least according to uh, a 
classical metaphysics, Aristotelian metaphysics, the intellect, mm -hmm. um, which Aristotle didn't understand properly. I think it's uh, uh, Thomas Aquinas who properly articulated this. But the intellect is that faculty of the will by which we know. And then there's the will, which is the faculty of the soul by which we love. Okay, love basically is a movement of the will towards something. The intellect, I mean, the will in matters of nature cannot supplant the intellect. I mean, I am a trained geologist. The time scale with which we work in geology is not reconcilable with the biblical story of creation. It's impossible. The biblical story of creation gives way if it is to be taken literally. It has to give way because it does not tell the story the way it should be told. It does not give the factual truths. Um, one of my favorite units in campus was paleontology, so <laughs> study of the development of life yeah. over time. And from the stromatolites in the fossil record, which are not even fossils, from 1.5 BYA, you know, billion years ago, to the Cambrian explosion of 700 million years mm -hmm. ago, to the Carboniferous period, I think that's 350 or so million years ago. You've not even entered the biblical storyline yet. If you have to take the biblical storyline as if it was scientific truth. So in this case, I cannot take this biblical storyline as scientific truth because my intellect tells me that is not plausible. The best tools that we have tell us that this thing is way older than whatever the best estimates that could come from a literalist trans, trans, I mean, a, a interpretation of the biblical stories would tell us. It's a much older story. So that tension has to be resolved somehow, but there's no way that one is true and the other is true at the same, in the same manner at the same time. In fact, that's, 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 a, that's a, a metaphysical principle, the principle of an mm -hmm. yeah? Um, mm -hmm. So the only way they are both true is that if they're, if they're true at, in different ways, that's the only way they're both true at the same time. If they're true in the same manner, no, one gives way. And so for, for me, to either move between those levels of analysis or to make us skip from one point in the same level of analysis to another without direct evidence is to suspend my intellect. Belief, faith, basically, being an act of the will is a suspension of the intellect. You know, the intellect gets me to this point, and then I say, okay, from this point to this point, there's a gap. And the only way I jump that gap is if my will decides, okay, now intellect, you've gotten us so far. <laughs> Thank you very much for your intelligence and your goodness. But beyond this point, you're jumping. <laughs> We're jumping. And then once we jump, maybe we can re-engage the intellect. And this is something that many Christians would do well to understand because that jump is not something that you can induce somebody to do. You, I mean, there's a reason in the New Testament, faith is not considered a human power. It's something a human being is capable of, but it's a gift. Like it, it's something that only God can give you. <laughs> so the intellect can only get you so far. And so it's not, it's not like you can go and put a knife on somebody's, like the, the, the fundamentalist Islamists do, on somebody's throat and tell him, say these words, facing Mecca, and then you believe. Like the hell, I'll say those words. I don't believe that shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't believe that shit. You can't force me to believe anything. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah. In fact, me, I think, I think if they came for me and put that knife to my throat, I would save my life and say those things. <laughs> you know. I'd and say, then hey, when they're gone, you say, that was close. <laughs> then, then I go to, are, you, I, are you familiar then with this? Then I, then I with say, credo in Hulu, patre omnipotentem. You know, now I say, you know, like, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, the stuff that I actually do believe. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. Anyway, you will yeah. then go to recite the Nicene Creed. Okay. <laughs> I can say it actually. Are, are you familiar with this? Anyway. this I think I, I, I only know it vaguely because I've heard of it mentioned system one and system two thinking no i'm not familiar with that so um i i don't remember which is which this is this is my memory failing me but there's one type of thinking that is more that is slower and and takes more energy yeah. and and you could call this logic it's it's chain by chain by chain of reasoning yes. and then the system two thinking which is fast yeah. You could call you could call it intuit in intuition or, intuition, or, yeah. or or faith. Yeah. Yes. So it's yeah. I, I, I don't know which is which. And and that is my understanding of faith, actually. Faith is a system mentally anyway. That is that is how I interpret faith, is, is a system of heuristics. Mm-hmm. So there's 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 small and 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 you do heuristics because not not because of it's it's not bad to do heuristics. There there are conditions which force you to do heuristics. So, for example, I'll I'll use the the case of uh, a husband cheating on the wife. So the wife gets all these small signals that are not very clear, and there are subconscious signals from the husband that things are not okay, sort of. And mm-hmm. and she then quickly uses heuristics and and comes to the conclusion that if you take all these small vague noisy pieces of information and hold them together in one context you have a model you build a model very quickly that my husband is cheating and that is how i interpret um our ancients when they were talking about uh, cosmogony and and origins of 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 human beings they are basically doing heuristics so they, they infer with the little information that they have available, which I respect a lot, I have come to respect. I used to discount it, but I have come to respect it. Given the, their, their abilities, they then carried out heuristics and came up, came up with very sophisticated stories of our yeah. origins and, you know, inventing. So see, see, this is the difference. I am an atheist. I believe God was invented. And, yeah. and to invent such a being, is almost as stupendous, in my opinion, as the being himself. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it I takes a lot. I get you. I get yeah, you. It takes yeah. a lot, and and still that to me demands respect, uh, respect for the human mind. Uh, whether whether now my interpretation or your interpretation is is the correct one is another story altogether. But I, I that is how I understand the first chapters of the Bible as heuristics. Heuristics um, by the Israelites. We have heuristics by the Luos. We have heuristics by the Kikuyus. So the great big mountain, although it's it's very well understood that we came from from Congo and the Niger-Congo, we are the Niger-Congo group of Bantus. We have heuristics that that helps us politically to lay claim to the mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a much more recent story because 
uh, your association with the mountain is not older than 400 years. Yeah, not. Yeah. I was about to say 300. They are yeah. 300, 400 years old. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And it means that even the uh, yeah, the yeah. blue at Shungwaya was a very recent affair. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm. Um, from from a proto group that was not discernible in in any sense as any of the groups of Bantu that exist in Kenya now. Um, you you mm. mentioned that you are starting now to like you are a little more confused about your standing <laughs> as a as an atheist. There's something I remember, and I think perhaps this is one of the reasons why we've been able to develop such a a nice friendship. I think. Um, Given, given what we believe, you know, and, and the combative nature of our initial interactions. And I don't know if my memory serves me correct here, but I think you are the first person I engaged with who could articulate an atheist position properly. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if my memory serves me correct here, but you might have stated this at some point that I was also the first person you engaged with who could articulate a yes, position sure. properly. For because sure. yeah. if I remember, again, this depends so much on memory uh, on which we cannot trust too much. There was a time, there was times in first year where you used to hold debates with people. Uh, <laughs> there was even one that was organized in Millennium Hall one. Yeah. Where nobody could withstand you, <laughs> and I was invited. <laughs> I didn't show up, um, yeah. and then afterwards, I think that is where now we got introduced. I think it was like in a Gilbert and and and, and uh, Gilbert and uh, Gerard. Yeah. This guy is destroying. Shout out to Gilbert. Shout out to Gerard. <laughs> like this guy is destroying people here. We need to bring him Matthew. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't remember exactly how we got into, but I think that was how we got introduced, and we just hit it off. And then like, hey, hey, you guy, man. This, this for the first time, because I remember the arguments that I used to have with people after I had properly come back now to, to, to the faith in high school. I don't, I might be overstating my position here, but I don't think anybody could hold his own against me. Like I used to hammer both, both the, the claimed atheists and claimed because I don't think any of them could have properly articulate an atheist position. And the the people who argue now against my particular brand of Christianity, you know, Catholicism. Um, I remember just there, there was times when I would, be, I would be kicked out of the room, out of the room, because I was making too many people uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, but then for the first time, I thought somebody actually yes, it seems has grounds. Uh, of course, we never we never got to talk about the genesis of your yeah of your beliefs or even of mine because. For some reason, maybe maybe people start there and then then you and then you get a bit into the genesis of, of things. Um, you you might really want to read Dostoevsky's The Brothers Karamazov because mm. I couldn't help but think of the way you told your story with uh, the story of one of the main characters there, Ivan Ivan Karamazov who's like the chief articulator of the atheist position in the book. Ah. And it cannot be argued against, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, if, 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 you, if you take him, he, 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 actually, he, he says, it's not God that I reject. 
it's the world he has created that i reject <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah i reject it because and then i mean the guy is lethal his brain like his intellect is just sharp, sharp as hell yeah, it's devastating and he's arguing against his brother who more or less represents the opposite position and his brother yeah. cannot cannot articulate yeah, yeah, yeah so the, the only way his brother hold i mean uh, hammers him is in the way he acts you know because he cannot articulate a proper argument even even the character that that dostoevsky brings in because he brought he brought most of the arguments of ivan the book was written as a serial in a newspaper so the arguments of ivan come pretty early in the book uh relatively early of course not at the very beginning and then because people are reading this thing as it's being developed they're like hey man is this guy arguing against the church <laughs> what is he doing <laughs> so guys are hammering him so he said no 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 one of these characters here will argue against the positions of ivan at some point so one of those characters is uh, nelda called zosima and zosima does i mean in in uh, one of the the, the the youngest brother of ivan is called alyosha I hope you don't like I mean you don't mind spoilers but uh boy head I don't find it <laughs> Alyosha Alyosha is the brother of, of Ivan so he's the one that Ivan is hammering when he makes his arguments against God's world and Ivan is associated or is devoted to an uh, a religious elder in a local monastery called Zosima so Dostoevsky tried to use Zosima to develop an articulate position against Ivan's but actually if you read zosimas even though it is very compelling it still does not <laughs> does not come close to destroying ivan's position ivan's position is only destroyed by the outcomes of his life contrasted to the outcomes of alyosha's life that's it like it's 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 only in the results the fruits of um. positions that they they hold because at some point ivan is unable to to sustain his position because in a way there's a, there's a, there's a there's like an evil brother to ivan a fella called smerdyakov who carries out the ideas of ivan to their logical conclusion and the outcome is not very good and so ivan is more or less forced to reckon with the consequences of his ideas but even then it's not i mean dostoevsky is I, i don't know why it took so long to discover the man but he destroyed me you know like he just just took me apart <laughs> <laughs> you know because you, know, you read Ali, there's a famous um and the, the other thing that makes this books very very deep is that individual storylines within the book can themselves be a whole story for a contemporary author So like the story of Zosima alone would be is another is another big yeah, yeah it's a whole novel by itself <laughs> you know and uh, there's there's one of the allegories that Ivan develops to support his argument called the the Spanish Inquisitor it's one of the most famous allegories in 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 fiction you might want to check it out i want i want to lay it out here but uh-huh. okay i'll check it the grand inquisitor but basically it's an it's an argument for the pathologization of institutional christianity it's more or less the same argument that 
in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a story format that uh, Nisha made against institutional Christianity. Yeah. You know, Nisha, 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 I don't know how to pronounce his name properly. Nisha, Nisha. Um, that spoke Zarathustra. Yeah, in that spoke Zarathustra. Um, I mean, he, he lambasts the church thoroughly. He hates the idea because once something is institutionalized, there's an avenue for it to be corrupted. And so he basically, and I think maybe he didn't understand this properly. I think this was a, more a consequence of the Protestant Reformation than of Catholic. Of course, I have interest in, in defending the Catholic Church, but the way I've read Nisha, I think, I think the Christianity he was exposed to was a corrupted version of institutional Christianity. So, yeah, because well, Nietzsche is Nietzsche is not old, so yeah. by by the time he's alive, Protestantism yes. is in, is itself institutionalized. Yes, and 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 is, and, is, and is the primary form of Christianity in the milieu within which he grew. But, yeah, 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 and even the stories that are told about the Catholic Church in that milieu are told from a Protestant lens. Yeah, yeah. So, so in a way, he misunderstood some things, even though he he like with what he got, he was super deep and, and <laughs> super sharp. <laughs> yeah, he was super, super yeah. potent. I mean, that's because yeah. Zarathustra, that scene in the market where this guy comes out with a lamp and says, we have killed God. You know, yeah. like God is dead. That, and, 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 and again, I like Peterson's interpretation. Um, yes. So that. everybody, God is dead, God remains dead. If you go, if you keep on reading that passage, yes, it yes. immediately becomes clear that this is not celebrating. Nisha is not celebrating. This is not a celebration. It's this... not a celebration at all. You know, Nisha is actually sad. What will we use to wipe the blood of our house? What are we going to yeah. use to wipe this blood? What are we going to, like, we've taken the entire foundation from under our culture. From under the way we and, 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 and destroyed it, and yeah, this yeah. is not a good thing. And this is where now the difference between Nisha and 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 Dostoevsky comes in, because Dostoevsky actually builds a viable path out of that. Nisha, perhaps because of his religion, I mean his his misunderstanding of institutional Christianity, not misunderstanding, but understanding of institutional Christianity with the wrong model of institutional Christianity. Is unable to come out of that, you know, and so he he ends up developing the the Ubermensch, you know, the Superman, the superhuman. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. The, the, the man yeah. beyond morals. Yeah, yeah, we have to start creating our own values. Like the values have to come from us, which is impossible. Apparently, I don't know how we. Ah, yeah, I don't know if you've been. I don't know if you've been able to develop this, but uh, Sam Harris, for example. Um, Moral landscape. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, tries tries to a certain extent, but. I'm not convinced with Harris's argument, but I don't know. We are super, super deep into this conversation. So maybe, 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 maybe we can have this as one of the things we talk about, we pick up from here when we when we converse next. I don't know if there's anything you want to say to that though, because I think I've spoken a lot and I've not given you a chance to to respond. I think well, we, we will maybe one one day come to <laughs> devote three hours to morality because it's yeah. just, you know, there's a lot. Um, yes. Morals are like the World Wide Web. I, I see morals as a structure 
it's 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 not independent of humanity it is it is a product of humanity as a structure mm. that allows human beings i again i told you i'm i'm currently enamored with networks and i should stop it because i think that can explain everything explains nothing but <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah the channels between human beings as nodes of a network that is essentially morality if and and that is why morality is is mostly a feedback process between agents in communities so for example the so so that that tells you one thing first nietzsche is is <laughs> and i say this with the greatest arrogance if nietzsche claims that we have to look internally for morality uh, he's wrong he's automatically wrong because you cannot think think and and this is why i like einstein although einstein resisted uh, moral relativism yeah. he resisted the linking of uh, physical relativity the special and general theories of relativity with moral relativism he resisted this completely yeah um if you take an individual agent put him or her in mars Yeah. and then there are no other human beings and there are nothing there is nothing would what they have and assume that they survive for for a period would what they have be termed as morality or just practices i i, I think morality is a product of the fact that there we we, are, we live in groups and and these moral systems therefore are basically guidances on how to live with each other so the network itself and this is why morality is extremely important in a society it is the rules that implicit explicit that govern a society mm. they don't I, i i i so i disagree both with with the idea that morals come from internal states of our minds i think we are, morals are how we respond to stimuli uh by other agents in in, yeah. in the community intelligent agents yeah. and i also reject the idea that it comes from you know the mountain in the case of the agikuyu uh, yeah or or, or the sky in the case of moses of ancient israelites because even from ah, the, by the the tablets yeah the mountain yeah mount sinai yes. yeah Oh, so so this was an argument i had with my mother a long time ago the, the analogies led yes. my some group of kikuyus to believe that we are long lost israelites i rejected it <laughs> everybody claims to be long lost israelites everybody likes to believe israelites. everybody wants to be the long lost i don't know why everybody just let it be lost once we are unique in our those guys are lost just we are not them <laughs> they are gone anyway <laughs> something you mentioned here and maybe you might want to think about this over time uh, while we figure out if we can meet again and i think i found this also rather um illuminating because i had not thought of it like this but you bring in the communal element uh as a contributor to 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 the sources of morality and i do not disagree with you um at least not at a fundamental level i just think that maybe it's a bit reductionistic because there's also the element of the individual having a telos you know the teleological argument um like the individual is driven morality calls you out of yourself towards something okay and there's a right path to navigate towards there but leaving that aside 
even if you just to retain only the communitarian, I don't know if the communitarian is the right word to use, the, the idea of people being in a community being, you know, what engenders morality. And I borrow this from Peterson, that the individual in himself, and this is an idea which is also latent in the idea of the God as a trinity, which is most well developed within the Christian the Catholic tradition. Catholic tradition, yeah. Is that the individual himself is a community. So this person who gets dropped on mass and survives over a long period of time is actually a community of persons. You know, there's him now, and there's him tomorrow, and there's him the day after. There's him here. And there's, him. there's actually an interesting thing that, yes. um, that you know, these brains, uh, the neurologically, we have billions of neurons, and they're, they're, there's a sort of, I, I read this from Yuval. Uh, they, yeah. There's no I, there's, there's, there's we, there, there's several subsystems competing yes. for attention. Yes. Uh, you can call one which subsystem which are, just which are the evil subsystem, and then the, the 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 good subsystem, and then there's the there's the confused subsystem. They're all struggling for control of you, over your body. This yes. this has become influential in neurological thought. Uh, I think recently, uh, according yes, to yes. Val. No, but so, actually, actually, so the eye as we yeah, it doesn't even have roots in neurology. It has roots in the thoughts of the psychoanalysts. And 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 and, and, the, and the and the Eastern philosophers, yeah, yeah, yeah. but especially from from people like Freud who conceptualized Freud, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, the 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 human psyche as a collection of many subsystems, you know, many subpersonalities, constantly, and the, yeah, yeah, competing to at least the conceptual framework underlying the idea of the id, the ego, and the super ego is that yeah. there's portions of you that in a way, have their own goals that they want to seek. And so your, yeah, they job, want to your job, of course, this is, I don't think this was, this was uh, properly developed by Freud, but your job from the Christian perspective is to bring all of these things together into an integrated personality. But the idea that there's, of course, there's all of those personalities that exist within you at the same time, yes, but you are also spread out temporarily, temporarily and also spatially. Mm, mm. You don't just exist here and now. You exist here, now, but you exist there, then, and you exist here, then. And so there's, so even as an individual, in a sense, there's still a moral system imperative because you are a community. You have to act, and this again, I'm borrowing words of, from Peterson, in such a way that things are good for the you that exists now as well as the you that will exist tomorrow. So there's, there's an element, there's something you have to consider. There's a right way to act. You know, and there's a wrong way to act. There's a way you, you can act now that is detrimental to the you that will exist two days from now or 10 years from now. So if you are dropped on Mars, there's a right way to act. Can you imagine this? Let's play with this. Let's play with this yes. a, a bit. Yeah. Somebody self-assembles out yes. of random processes in the universe yes. in a planet that is semi-hospitable. Uh, but like, he like, or she sorry, or sorry, it sorry, sorry, is sorry. alone. Like that ego fella in the Guardians of the Galaxy, the father of uh, ah, by the way, by the, the way, yeah, the ego, father, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yes. Now, this person is alone uh, for millennia, alone, yes. truly. Yes truly alone, 
if he or she or it were to commit suicide now it would be detrimental to the to the to the future state yeah because the future state would would be dead it would disappear yes yeah but i don't see the dialectic with the future state and and this is where we disagree mm-hmm. who would be available because this is what i believe uh, f- definitely for morality there must be a judge or judges so in the case in the case of communities it's pretty obvious if you walk around naked or if you play around with little girls the, the judgment will be very clear and very harsh and very fast yeah so there are judges and there are people to execute the judges to make sure that feedback exists that people are corrected and sort of rise up into a more a better moral state mm-hmm. there is nobody to judge this individual if you assume if you take my position that god does not exist hmm? mm-hmm. there is nobody to judge this individual this he cannot judge himself is dead um there is no moral framework there's no moral frame of reference from which to stand on and then say that is wrong because that person let's say for 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 assumption let's say the first self-conscious agent in the universe we don't know who that is but the mm-hmm. first self-conscious agent in the universe let's assume some some let's assume self-consciousness did not develop sort of in a group but let's assume it's the first person so yes. nobody is there to judge this individual there is nobody to judge this individual there is nobody to reflect on the states of this individual because he's dead yeah mm-hmm. and therefore it cannot therefore and this is what i think uh, it cannot therefore be said that that and and I, i am sort of convinced by the arguments of moral relativists with this um it cannot be therefore said that that is an evil act Mhm. Aha. Yeah. Um here's something here's something interesting. Um yeah. at least among you'll find this among Catholic ethicists uh a lot um or even people who develop their ethics from from Thomas Aquinas. And I hope I'm not misrepresenting this. Uh, if I am, you good people forgive me. My brain is fried <laughs> right now. <laughs> um but that the center of judgment is not outside of the person mm-hmm. and, and 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 i want to be very careful with this okay that does not mean that i'm arguing against the existence of god or anything like that it's that your conscience is ultimately your final judge and so <laughs> so the thing you brought up of 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 there being an objective standard from which to judge the person okay or the reflection that leads to that judgment is not i don't agree against that i agree i agree with you but then we have to define first of all what judgment is what it means to be judged and what makes something qualified to judge okay again borrowing from the ideas of peterson the judge is the ideal because so the judge the judge is not the same as yourself the question of conscience is another one that perhaps is is a whole it's it's, it's another war it's another war yeah. conscience, conscience is something i really struggle with mm. but whose existence i can't deny you know like i i can't run away from it but for some reason i 
You know, uh, this guy, what's his name? Uh, John Henry Cardinal Newman, There's, who was a, an Anglican bishop and ended up converting to Catholicism. Um, in, in Catholicism, we, we designate the Pope as the Vicar of Christ. Um, this guy converted to Catholicism, but, and he said that conscience is the primordial Vicar of Christ. Like, I will obey the Pope unless the, my conscience tells me not to. <laughs> you know, like, this is the only thing that supersedes the Pope, my conscience. Yeah, yeah. So the Pope can tell me things to do. Yes, he will tell me things to do with regard to faith and morals, and I will obey him. But if my conscience says no, then I am under divine injunction to obey my conscience instead of the Pope. And that's saying a lot. Like that's that's revolutionary. It will require some unpacking, which I don't think we have the time for because I think we're creeping up on three hours now. <laughs> but um, so I tend to think that that person, if that act is indeed an evil one, that person will know that it is an evil one when he's committing the suicide. Mm -hmm. Yes. And of course, there's there's the argument to be made for mental states and everything. But I'm thinking here of somebody who is lucid and is committing suicide, knowing what he is doing. Mm. you know um which is something very difficult to find because i don't know if people do actually do that um i've had an experience recently with a friend of mine who died in very uh tragic circumstances well, maybe i should not go into that um given the time um but it it, it actually it broke me also that's another thing that broke me it, it, it really shook me down um because it shook me down no no shook me because it made me question so many things. Um, but it's not clear to me that judging people who commit suicide as having committed an evil thing is, is ours, you know? And ultimately, this is another thing that has been developing in me for a long time, the, the idea of not judging people, like it's not my place to judge people. So when, when we talk of objective moral standards, we do not mean them as if we place ourselves on the pedestal of the judge. I think only within the socio-political system do we get to abstract that, you know, when we take the judgmental element of society and incarnate it in an and individual. And then put it on an individual. Yeah. With somebody with a gavel, you know, but that is necessary for the, for the proper functioning of, of society. Okay, but at the moral level, because those persons also do not judge morality, they judge legality, which is the bastardized version of morality in a sense. But, it's a formalized, I disagree with you. It's a formalized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but it has gone to, to, to another level. There might be some interaction with the conscience of the person, but that's not what the judge is looking at. The judge is looking at the actions, you know, the actions and intentions. But, but in terms of what judges the person, ultimately, it's their own conscience. And that conscience is an ex it's, it's something that we cannot even enter ourselves. That's, this is this is another thing. I think I got it from one of my principles of ethics classes. Is that the conscience itself is a faculty of the intellect. So if that person is a self-conscious individual, more or less akin to a human being, and has an intellect, then necessarily they have a conscience. So it will not it will not be somebody outside them judging whether this action is good or bad, it will be themselves. But, but, but Martin, 
Yes. Um, I think I think we need we just need more time with morality. So <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. I can, <laughs> yeah. Um, this 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 idea and and I guess that's why I'm I'm enamored with networks. Um, Ubuntu is just purely re- relationalism. So yes. the idea that the individual becomes an individual by his or her interaction with their community. Yeah? Yes. Yes. So so even the conscience itself, and, and I think this is part of African philosophy, the idea that you're not supposed to steal your neighbor's maze comes out of repeated, repeated interactions with your neighbor and your neighbor's neighbors, and that, that helps. So that neighbor stole that neighbor's maze, who is my neighbor, and I felt bad about it, and I'm not happy about, the, I'm not happy with the neighbor of my neighbor. And that, that way we sort of build a moral system by interacting with, with each other. Yes, yes, so yes. even, if, uh, I think that, and, and I might, maybe maybe one day neuro, uh, neuroscience will prove me wrong with this. Conscience is nothing baked in us. It's not, it's not in our genes. It, it forms from childhood. There are some, there's, 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 a, there's an interesting story that um, a, a colleague of mine from Manchester told me. Uh, she, she, she was brought up in a, in a, in a, in a vegetarian family. Mm-hmm. She was telling us. One day they visited their uncles, uh, I, I think the, the brother to, to his father, to her father. And they, they saw this, they, they were children. Uh, they saw these people eating meat and they were totally shocked. Yes. They were just completely shocked. It was, it was outside their moral universe that it was possible to eat an animal. It was, it was something, it's, it, it's like seeing the, 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 such shocking barbarity and savagery. And they were shocked to the point to, they, they left the table. It was something yeah. totally yeah. shocking to them. Yes. Yes. It was violence. To their conscience. Yes. So why 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 is it why is it not violence to my conscience? In fact, I'm coming to Kisumu to eat uh, samaki and nyamachoma. There is. <laughs> yeah. Why is yeah. it not violence to my conscience? It's not violence to my conscience because I was brought up in a different society. Uh, it's, there, it's just there, there, there's something interesting there because you do not deny the development of conscience. You deny its specific formation. I, 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 I reject the notion, I think, yeah. Hmm, yeah. that it can be formed independently of societies. Of course, that of course. An of individual of can course, form absolutely, yes. conscious. Um, no, but... but and, for, and therefore, for the, and for the, since moral for, for, for the individual to form that conscience, remember yeah. my argument coming from this Petersonian idea of the individual having a community in himself. Mm-hmm. So for the individual to develop the conscience, yes, uh, Although here yeah, again, I'm, I'm, my brains are, my neurons are fraying on this matter. But the communitarian element, in a way, contributes to the formation of the conscience, but not at its origination. Because every single human being can talk of having a conscience, even those whose consciences seem to be warped, or even if consciences tell them to do different things. Every single person can attribute to, I mean, something. Can can sorry can make reference to something akin to a conscience. I think that's the level of analysis at which I'm, at which I'm talking now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 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 
the particular manifestations of that conscience might be different. And so this is where the objective moral, uh, the objective idea of morality comes in. And here I'm going to spout at you an idea that also I've not been able to argue against and which I find that even many fellow Christians don't seem to understand um, because it always shocks them when I say this. Um, and it's more or less akin to this thing that Newman says that con your conscience is the only thing you have to obey. Like if your conscience tells you to insult God, then you would sin by not insulting God. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of, yeah. Yeah, your conscience is in, because, in a sense, your conscience is the incarnation of God in you. There's ah, now, now I see where I see where we are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, 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 um, of course. I mean, that's without defining God. That's not without. <laughs> that's that's without saying what God is. There's this thing which is called the universal moral principle, which I have not been able to argue against and which many people seem not to understand, uh, at least in the conversations that I've had. I, I, I don't know if other people will be listening to this conversation. Do good and avoid evil. Philosophical principles are basically the foundational statements. You know, They cannot be, you cannot argue underneath them. There's, they're like, there's no way to define them. They are like what to use now to define other things. So do good and avoid evil cannot be, you, you cannot decompose it further than that. I think it's what Akina Peterson would call in the dramatic sense archetypes, you know, archetypal notions. So basically an idea that has been boiled down to its fundamentals below which there's, there's nowhere we can go. No, another, another, another one, this is not from ethics, but from metaphysics is, the whole is greater than the part. You can't go below that. There's Imagine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Imagine. Yeah, yeah. The whole is greater than the part. I'm sorry. I, I can't say what that means, but we all agree that it, it is true. <laughs> you know? uh, so so Matthew, and, yeah. and and this is this is this is the thing. Yeah. I think morality, so for example, how you can you can think about the constituent parts of a bicycle or a bus or anything. And yes. then when you arrange them in a very specific way, you come up with a bus. Yes. In other cases, it's a heap of metal and rubber. Yes. Yeah? Yes. But, but in a very specific manner, it's a bus. And yes. this is morality. Mm -hmm. This is how I see morality. Think of it, um, think of conscience as a, as a language. So we all, and, and, and Chomsky has done a lot of work in this. We all have some capacity for language, some form of language. Mm -hmm. But depending on where we are born, uh, the capacity might be, might be such that I speak Luo or Luya mm -hmm. or Kikuyu, or I'm incapable of speaking all this language. I, I, I find my spe myself speaking Spanish or something like that. Mm -hmm. There's something, and then, then the community takes it and builds upon it. And yes, without yes. community, yes. without community, that thing must, will remain primitive. And, 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 it, it does and, not find so we, we have We have these examples of feral children, yeah? Yes. Children brought up by animals who make the noises of animals because that part of their specific 
uh, even they don't have specific they, they 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 don't these children don't even don't seem to have a conscience they 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 have habits yes. like, like like you would ascribe to an animal yes yeah? and yeah. and in this specific sense your conscience your capacity for language not capacity for language but lang- your language system as sophisticated as it is uh, depends upon society and and this is the fundamental idea of I think Ubuntu philosophy. So the idea that you, okay. your society is more responsible yes. for you yes. and yes. your individuality than you think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ubuntu philosophy is another thing we need to properly talk about because it fascinates me. But I, I have a lot of criticisms of its proponents and the way they've articulated it. Um, but anyway, you know what? I think I think we should end this here because. We, we, we might talk until morning and we will continue talking, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, by all means, uh, this is a conversation that needs to continue. Um, yeah, and these are the kinds of conversations that I want to try and have uh, on, 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 on the podcast, you know. So, yeah, because I don't think we have platforms like this uh, here, in, either here in Kenya, yeah, 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 or, or, or in the rest of the continent. And yet these are things we can talk about in an intelligent and very friendly manner uh, so that people realize, I mean, because for most people, most people think that atheists and Christians necessarily have to be enemies. No. In fact, the most interesting friend to an atheist is a Christian, a, a yeah. proper Christian. And the yeah. most interesting friend to a Christian is a, is a proper atheist. And that's yeah, what yeah. Yeah, 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 because uh, ultimately there, there's things that are inescapable. You know, like the fact that we share something in common. We are, we are all humans, um, whatever that means. But it's something we share and, and 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 we all seem to enjoy good conversation and um if it came to it we would defend each other's rights to say and believe whatever it is that we believe to the death you know back to uh, voltaire <laughs> <laughs> yeah to the death um because there's nothing worse than a christian who is forced to believe, you know, um, if, if, if an atheist is, you know, is forced uh, at gunpoint to confess Jesus Christ, that, that kind of violence to, to the conscience is inadmissible. In fact, it's actually in the contrary case for, you know, yes, the, the yes. Stalinist Russia. So yeah. Yeah, there's nothing bad that state, there's nothing worse than Stating post that is in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's unnecessary because there you are invading again the conscience <laughs> of the person. You know uh, that 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 place where the person sits with himself, more or less, in council. Like what Socrates would uh, used to say that he had this demon, uh, which he couldn't really say what it was. I mean, it it he takes it for granted that people know what that is. There's no point where it's articulated exactly what the demon is, but it's what we would call conscience, more or less. It's it's the idea is the same. Um, in his case, his conscience would tell him what not to do. You know, like he would be thinking of doing something, and then his his conscience would tell him, no, 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 don't do that. And the most the most famous example of what his conscience told him not to do 
was to escape Athens when he was accused to of of of, of a teaching strange gods and misleading the youth or corrupting the youth i think and so it was advertised jerem pierce tells this story very well but it's it's in it's in uh, it's in plato's the the, the socrates is the apology of socrates by plato it's one of the dialogues the socratic dialogues um how it was announced very early on you know with six months to the trial okay which means it was code for socrates take off we don't want to actually kill you you know like just just bounce we'll go go to the next town just just leave us this is just your warning we are going to put you on trial in six months uh for these crimes so and so socrates actually so yeah maybe i really should take off you know but then his demon told him dude stay there's no way to go and uh, 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 peterson tries to articulate exactly perhaps why his conscience told him to do that but perhaps you don't even need to articulate it you just need to look at what happened afterwards because he doesn't go and so he exposes the entire corruption of the process he tears the whole system apart because he goes into the trial not as a weakling as somebody who had taken off with his tail between his legs but as the moral superior of everybody who's participating in the process and he demolishes them like he hammers the prosecutor he hammers the judges he hammers he hammers the entire system and there's nothing they have on him there's this famous painting of after the judgment has been passed you know and then his force is executed by being made to drink hemlock poison have you seen that painting of socrates with the chalice of hemlock poison is in his hand lying on the lying yeah. prostitute and and one of his i forget who it is is giving him the 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 poison but can't even dare to but, do yeah. it said and everybody is against the wall you know like yeah. this guy like nobody nobody wants to yeah to, to look at him engage like, with the fact that he faces it head on he's actually yeah, yeah. teaching them he has his, his doing hand. yeah 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 he's doing yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it's almost like he's pointing to heaven this is where i'm going you know but you guys don't need yeah. to worry i'm an old man now i would have died anyway around this time this guy offered me a very honorable way out without compromising my conscience so i think ultimately and this is this is something that many people need to start thinking about now because there's, there's so much compulsion to identify ourselves with causes and with ideas and we forget that, yes we forget that ultimately the person the person is his own judge and it's better if he decides what he believes you know um well with all the influence that comes from outside yes but it's better if he integrates those influences into a cogent schema you know a cogent body of beliefs and those are his own his own and each person gets their side in their own way and it, it's not like each person has arrived i don't think you really arrive even with myself i'm still there's things i still struggle with i mean like the idea of the idea of hell um i understand it and i don't understand it and i guess this is something we can talk about later on um 
Yeah, because it's not it's not a simple idea. Heaven, heaven, I understand. I don't know why. For me, heaven, I understand. And hell, for most people, it's usually the other way around. Hell, I understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But for me, for some reason, I understand heaven. I I feel heaven, but but hell doesn't. It makes so much sense, and it doesn't make sense, and it's something I struggle with, and and many other things in my faith that that I still have to reconcile you know, um, with the way I, I act. But I would rather my conscience were left unviolated in that process. And I would rather everybody else's conscience was left unviolated in that entire process. Yeah, anyway, that has been a very long closing. Um, I don't know if you have closing remarks uh, before we, we end this. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me, Matthew. Um, as usual, our discussions uh, are very informative. Uh, I have learned a lot from you. I am going to try Russian authors more seriously. I remember the last time I read a Russian author was Tolstoy, and it was about morality and his development. That was class five or six. So I'm mm-hmm. going to get more serious with that. Uh, we have had a lot. We have had a lot. We, it's clear that we, while we've made a lot of progress, there's some things we agree on and that's, that's lovely. Um, there's still a lot of work that we need to do to, to understand each other's point of view, worldview, mental states, whatever you want to call it. And, yeah. and I think that's yeah. something totally interesting to do. So I hope to have more three-hour <laughs> discussions with you, as is usual. Yeah. Uh, whether recorded or not, I don't care. The, the, the discussion itself is is yeah. is wonderful. Um, yeah. And 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 I, I'd like I'd like to congratulate you. I I was thinking of of doing the same. We need we need to start having you know heavy discussions. It will help us reflect on the state of our society, the state of our country, the state of our continent. And, and I think this is wonderful work, Matthew, and you should keep it up. Uh, and definitely there, there are better brains than mine who are going to come and share and, and go into battle with you or, or become your allies. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that a lot. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful journey. Uh, I want you to get viral. Uh, this is not <laughs> going to get us viral, but I want you to get viral. And, <laughs> well, and I don't know. Anyway. What, what's that they say? It's the thought that counts. So it's the thought that counts. Yeah. yeah so um, and and let's make our thought our thoughts count at yeah, least as Africans. Yeah. Let's let's hold our own candles. You know. We are no longer a dark continent, as as you as we st- as we Actually, went never, on and on. We've never with been electricity. Yeah, eh? we've never really been. It's just the storytelling. We've never really been a dark yeah, continent. The storytelling has. We've only been dark in the in the mind of you know European anthropologists, but yes. we we have our own stuff to offer also. And, yeah, and that is why I guess I find Ubuntu philosophy attractive and. Uh, I think I think there's something to be said for it, and maybe we'll talk about it later. But mm-hmm. but thank you very much, Matthew. Uh, as usual, you've stretched my pretty uh, inflexible mind, <laughs> and, and that is a good thing, and that is a wonderful thing. Uh, that, goes, that goes both ways, sir. 
I have the mind of a dog. We didn't even properly go into the woods, you know. Like I, <laughs> we we've just started. Uh, yeah. I, I think there yeah. was a lot. There was I a wish lot people knew that this there was, a, there this was, was a... basic for us. <laughs> if we start yeah, yeah. getting into the real stuff, we yeah, yeah things things become things, things, things become tangled or tangled up. Anyway, yeah, yeah. And thanks thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I think you you have the distinction of being only the second guest to show up on this podcast. So congratulate yourself. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to tell you something. I told the first guy that if this podcast flops, it's your fault because you are boring. And, <laughs> and if, it, if it succeeds, then all, all the credit is mine because I'm a wonderful host. Um, <laughs> This um, goes to the African debate of the father and the mother. If the boy is stupid, <laughs> it's the mother's son. Yeah, uh, but then of course the, the truth the truth is is that opposite. Uh, yeah, the truth is that um, we 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 all contribute in a certain sense, and 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 your your presence here is not something I take for granted. It's been a while. It's been a while since we conversed. Um, yeah. Because by the last time we talked, you were going to the UK, like properly, philosophically, really. You you are going out and now you're back. Um, we didn't even get to talk about the things that you study, which I think are very fascinating. Um, so maybe, maybe, maybe we can have a session where you just talk about your interest in theoretical physics and all the work that, you, that you've done in that area and, and what you think the prospects are for, for, for the future of that field in Africa. We didn't talk about your views on uh, privacy and signal. <laughs> I think that would be, uh, that would be another thing that we can talk about in the next conversation. Perhaps by that time you'll have signal. <laughs> so, maybe, so, maybe. so who knows? Um, um, anyway, and, anyway. Yeah, and then many other things. So there's, there's a lot. There's a lot of ground to cover uh, coming up. So yeah. lest this thing becomes a four-hour podcast, I'll end it now. Um, yeah. So thank. <laughs> We thank everybody, everybody who gets to this point in the podcast. Thank you so much for coming all the way here. Uh, you didn't get bogged <laughs> when we got bogged down. So props to you. And uh, until the next podcast, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. Whatever platform you use to listen to this thing, I'm sure there's a subscribe button. Um, those guys, you know, subscribe and maybe a notification thing somewhere. So use it. Use it if you want to get more stuff like this. And yeah, I guess that 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 wraps it up, no? 